All right, guys, we have a very special announcement. It's official. The Bases Loaded Pod is joining the Roto Baller Radio Podcast Network. A little bit about Roto Baller. Since 2013, Roto Baller has been grinding away, providing millions of fantasy addicts their fix with player news and cutting edge fantasy analysis. If you didn't know, Roto Baller's 2020 MLB draft kit is already live. Roto Baller's premium draft kit includes exclusive access to 15 draft tools, including printable cheat sheets for every single possible league type. I'm talking mixed leagues, points, head-to-head, dynasty, roto, AL only, NL only, you name it, they've got it. Roto Baller's premium draft kit includes exclusive access to 15 draft tools. These draft tools include printable cheat sheets for every single possible league type. I'm talking mixed leagues, points leagues, head-to-head, roto, dynasty, AL or NL only, you name it, they've got it. They also offer rankings and projections from the number one most accurate industry expert, Nick Mariano. Not to mention access to their exclusive rankings wizard. Like I said, there's 15. Those are just three. So there's so much more to check out. For a limited time, get your MLB premium pass for 50% off. But wait, it does actually get better. Right now, you can get an additional 10% off if you use promo code BASESLOADED. Just visit rotoballer.com slash BASESLOADED to sign up for your premium pass today so you can dominate your leagues tomorrow. Bases loaded and one out. Oh my God! Deep to right field, way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk off home run. Grand slam. Hello and welcome in everybody to another episode of Bases Loaded. Bases Loaded is a fantasy baseball podcast, and I'm your host Mike Curland. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. And today I am talking all things fantasy baseball with the one and only Nick. Pollock. He is pitcherless himself at pitcherless on Twitter. Nick, you are, I, I was saying it before you got on, man, you are to you that you are just one of the busiest guys I know right now. Thank you for taking the time and welcome to the show. What is happening? Really? Thank you so much. Uh, it's really fun to be here with you and I'm excited just to kind of hang out and talk about pitching and baseball with you. This is exactly what this type of podcast is. Um, our, our followers have come to know these all things fantasy baseball as a way to get to know you and it's Again, as a consumer that probably found out who you were and followed you and all that, about starting about a year and a half, two years ago, which pro- and you go back before that. So I'm honestly genuinely curious to, see, to hear your story. But before we get into it, I, I was telling you, like, I, we weren't going to do any news and notes or anything because this really is just us talking baseball and yeah, pitching sure. specifically. But speaking of pitchers, Carrasco is on crutches, apparently. Right? Oh, this just man. happened. And we're, <laughs> we're talking about the same team that just lost Clevenger for a few weeks with the, with the torn MCL, I think, if I remember correctly. Or either mm-hmm. way, it's still tearing the knee. What I told you my reasoning. I'm just questioning their training staff or grounds crew at this point. I don't know what to think. What's going on there, man? Yeah, I have no idea. Um, it, it, Carrasco has been one of those things we've been all been waiting to hear about, okay, is he actually healthy? Is leukemia fully gone? Is that going to affect him? Are the Indians even going to use him fully in the rotation? And I've made all these assumptions because it's just, I feel like it's the, the highest chance of everything easily would be, yes, he's healthy. Yes, he's going to be in the starting rotation. Now to see this, it's just, and there isn't even a timetable. We just don't know Not anything yet. yet. Yeah. Um, I was actually, there was a very mini meetup with, uh, with a couple of staff members uh, last night as, as Miles Nelson came over from, uh, from California. And uh, we were just talking about how uh, even a couple weeks now for a starter, 
impacts into the season because you need the spring training. This is when you're supposed to gear up and be ready. So anytime miss now is it's not like you're free time to miss. Yeah. This is kind of tacked on. So to hear, I, I don't know how long this is going to be. They say crutches, but that could just be kind of, you know, uh, being safe about it yeah, exactly yeah. precautionary that's the word i was looking for thank you i, I um, can tell i guess i saw it i know it's there <laughs> it's <already> phase, yeah. <laughs> um but i uh, so i mean that obviously has to impact his adp uh moving forward with it and i mean i don't know if your mind went there my i know mine certainly did it's like okay who do the indians go to now right plutko maybe yeah it's plutko and logan allen is what i'm thinking which is not <laughs> Not exciting if you're a Cleveland fan. Not at all. Sam Moss was already kind of like thought to be part of the, the competition. Maybe he's more of a sure thing now. That could be kind of exciting for deeper leagues. Maybe I'm it's thinking like possible. deeper, deeper. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, there's, there's, uh, I'm, I know I'm going to say it wrong. I'm, is it Heffrey or Jeffrey Rodriguez? I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, Tristan McKenzie is someone we've been talking about for a while, but he's it doesn't seem point. like, right. It doesn't seem like this is the time for him to, to make an appearance either. So if you're wanting for your standard 12 teamers or anything, what happens now with this? Pletko, Logan Allen, Sam Moss, whoever, no. That's not something you want to be interested in. I'm actually even making the debate that Polisak and Savali isn't really something you want to consider much for 12-teamers. So. I'm not happy to hear you about Savali. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just a big Savali guy. But that's more or less trusting the process there because the Indians might do a lot wrong as far as like ruining their window and trading off pieces they don't need to trade. Mm-hmm. One thing they've been doing very well is developing pitchers. Sure. And if you see what they did with Bieber – I think Savale, I'm not saying he'll be a Bieber guy, but he has a legitimate, like, I think it was a four or five. I, I, I looked into him. I think I did a deep dive on him. I don't remember, but he has like a four or five pitch mix. He's really great at limiting soft contact, stuff you already know. I'm just wondering if maybe he could throw a little more breaking pitches, lay off the, I think it was, it was a, a sinker that he throws, a two-seamer that, so he throws that for a lot of uh, weak contact. I'm just wondering if he can make so, that transition into more of a, you know, a few more breaking yeah. balls, maybe up the K rate. Just something that we need to see. I know it's a lot, but. So, so Savali, um, the really quick sticky on him for me is main success last year came from a two-seamer. He had a 234 ERA, if I remember correctly, and something like that with like Sierra being like 475, like double his ERA, which I don't even reference often because I feel like it's more important talking about the skill set and everything than Mm -hmm. actually just what the dips say or what the hotel is. That is like the Holy Trinity equating luck, a Babbitt home run, fly ball rate, and left on base rate. That's all just a product of what they're actually doing. Um, but with his two-seamer, what you normally want to see out of that is you want to see an O-swing above 30%, right? You want to see a guy with a two-seam approach where it's starting in the inside corner and then coming off the plate, and that's how you induce weak contact. Weak contact, when we talk about that, is more about getting guys to swing at pitches they don't want to swing at, yeah. right? That's a, If you talk about Ryu last year, he had like a 57% or something crazy O-swing on his changeup, and that's how he got his weak contact. Because guys are swinging at that, not necessarily missing on it, but then hitting it uh, with the end of the bat or the handle, right? That's what you're trying to do as the pitcher, avoid the barrel. So you do that most effectively by getting tons of O swing. And so, so on two seams, you want to see above 30%. Sandy Alcantara's sinker around 32%. Actually, Adrian Hauser's has a 35%. Those are, okay, that's actually something that might stick around. That may be really good. Aaron Savali's two-seamer last year, sub-15%. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty. And that makes me think, like, okay, I don't know if this is that sustainable. You really have to have ridiculous movement on that two-seamer for it to really translate into consistent weak contact, even with that low O swing. I don't think it's that kind of pitch. And then you look at his main two secondary pitches, which is a slider and a changeup. 
neither one had a swing strike rate above 13% last year. I'm not saying that they can't over a larger sample more development get better. It's, it's a big ask to really take a step forward. And what we've seen from Savali thus far doesn't really suggest to me that he will be that kind of guy. And I think the ideal is like a Toby, you know, is like a three, <laughs> seven, three, eight ERA with like a 20% K rate and you know, 125 whip and 130. And that's for a 12-teamer. That's what I'm shooting for. I don't see a reason to go for that in a draft. So uh, that, that has me out on him. I think I'm at 80 exactly because I understand there is a path to being better than that, but it just doesn't seem like the right dart to throw at this point. I can understand that, and I'm, I'm not going to be the one who tries to argue with <laughs> You can. No, I don't want you to feel that way. Listen, I, I would be lying if I didn't say I was a little intimidated just because you – just not <laughs> so like, please. Well, no, no, not, not, in, not in a bad way. It's in a way it's like I'm really going to push myself and see what happens. But I don't know, man. I'm just looking – you look at his walk rates, and obviously 2.5K two per nine. I'm mm-hmm. uh, sorry, walk, walk for nine last year in his, you know, small sample. That was actually the highest at any stop in his, in his careers. So, I mean, maybe the command really is that good that he doesn't need to get so much swing and miss to still get such good, you know, con- uh, weak contact. Maybe that, it's just that, really, maybe the command and the controller. That could that be good. a, re- that, that could be the, the, the case exactly of like, Hey, he's just really good at putting it on the edges really well. And, you know, not giving in necessarily, and mm-hmm. that worked out for him. I have found over the years that if we do bank on those that we believe in command inside the zone, uh, it's a harder thing to replicate year to year. Gotcha. Um, I mean, a good example I have is we talked about Cal Freeland. I mean, I even fell into this Ugh, last year. Sure. I think I had like 42 or something entering 2019. I said, you know what? His command is really good. I watched all these starts the way he was able to do this stuff, and then that just fell apart in front of us in a heartbeat. And that was, and obviously yes. there were more things than just his command was gone. It's still something that you have to keep, to keep in, take into consideration if that's what we're really leaning on, especially with a young pitcher who we don't really know a whole lot about him. Um, it's, it's hard for, it's a hard sell for me. I do believe in Soroka's for the, for the record. That is a guy <laughs> that, okay, his command is, is elite. And then, and then the reason why Bieber comes to mind is because we said we were saying the same things or similar things about Bieber. Like, I'm not saying he's going to be Bieber. That's why I was saying Savali right. won't take that. St- I'm not going to say that. That would be ridiculous. But if that happens, I'm going to take credit for it anyway. But, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, like, I'm just thinking because the, I, the big knock on Bieber was he was throwing the ball too much in the zone. Mm-hmm. So he, they, you know, they adapted. He threw more breaking pitches, if I remember correctly. He was throwing more outside the zone, and it worked his benefit. Now, some of the metrics suggest that that's unsustainable, but – who I mean, that's, so, I guess I'm, I'm betting on the I'm betting on just that how the team has produced pitchers. I guess right. I, I understand that completely. Um, the major shift really for Beaver for me, yes, it was a bit like he was less of a nibbler and he would give in a lot, and then he kind of adapted and he brought down his his uh, four seamer to lefties away and then down to the down and away effectively. And that was like the major difference is that you see like a hundred point drop in batting average allowed on fastballs against the lefties from from Bieber but I or just in general but really the major shift was that his curveballs uh swing strike rate jumped like 10 points yeah uh, it became all of a sudden an elite breaking pitch when it was a sub 15 percent swing strike rate pitch um was, and would that be attributed in part to a, a, just a change in pitch mix and approach it, though it could be no that that's a that's a great point and yeah. there might be something there in that um I think we were also in 2000, at the end of 2018, looking at Bieber and thinking, oh, yeah, that curveball can be a bit better. Um, and it's kind of actually how I'm looking at both Keller and Canning now, kind of with the Bieber 
light because they both have an elite slider. They both have fastballs for seamers that they like to elevate and use well, and they have a curveball that we both think can be better. Um, Canning has a little bit more a question about just health in general and Keller. Well, Keller's intriguing to me. Uh, I think he's everyone's like little like <laughs> or dart throw at the end of a draft, like a 12 teamer. He's kind of still, fall, even though he's an industry a guy that everyone seems to like, he's still going at a great value in drafts. Yeah. So yeah, he's, he's going past 18th round, which is, I mean, that point there's only value, I think, or at least the most value in getting pitchers. So I'm just the guy with my sack and just throwing as many pitchers into it as possible, which is the worst way of phrasing than that. But you know, that's just what I went with. <laughs> gotcha. Hey, it's the, we'll, we'll roll with it. So now that we went off on a whole Indians tangent, we can kind of circle back now into just, man, you really are busy. You are, you are speaking at First Pitch Florida, which I'm going to attend, so I'm going to get a chance to actually physically meet you in person, which is kind of cool. Um, I get the nerd oh, yeah, out. I can't wait for that. I get, I get the nerd out with you, you and Alex and all the guys there. But you are going to be presenting there. You, you have Pitch List 5.0 that just dropped a couple weeks ago, and you guys are still working on things there and getting things kind of ready to roll for the I guess this regular season it looks like mm-hmm. I know you've had some you know you've had some technical difficulties but you got it out and going it's, right it's, yeah it's getting there and then of course obviously you have the podcast which you can plug here in a second you just you have everything going on man like how like first I'll let you plug it and then I want to talk about how did all this even get to where it's at sure um yeah so, <laughs> so we have we have a ton going on right now uh we have we draw 5.0 it's a brand new website um, and the thing about it is it's kind of, to me, it's the first step. You know, a lot of people were talking about it being like, oh man, this goal you've reached. And I don't see it like that. I see it as kind of like the master key that allows us to open all these doors now. And, uh, one of the major elements of it that we, we didn't really get to show off actually in the launch, which we're just now really starting to build out internally is our leaderboard, which we want to be the de facto, like research leaderboard, especially when it comes to pitching, because we have working with MLB Inside Edge, every piece of granular pitch data since 2015. That's awesome. And we can do so much with that that I feel publicly is not being presented well or just not at all at this point. And especially when opening day hits, it's already in the timeline and everything, the roadmap. Um, we are going to be doing some things that is just what everyone wants. You know, everyone kind of turns to analysts and everything to give them this kind of information and do the work for them. Instead, we're going to be giving you that information just on one page. Like, this is what you want to know. And I, I, I really awesome. can't wait for that. And either can I, because it's going to make my research better, right? easier for my articles. <laughs> I'm over here. I'm trying to, you know, Alex, the award-winning Alex Fast now. Right. Oh, man. That's so exciting. I'm so awesome. happy for him. Oh, oh my. yeah. I DM'd him right away. incredible. I, I DM'd him right away. I was like, man, awesome. That's congratulations, you know. And then, of course, I... I I guess I'm, I'm not bitter because he didn't beat me, but I did get beat out for my award. Right, was, you were you were nominated, man. Congratulations for that. that. Well, yeah, thank you. And I that blew my mind. Like I still, it got to a point like I'm kind of similar in that in that train of thought. Like where I was surprised to get there, like because it was my first year. Nom- my work was nominated. Or I put some work in there, and my first year writing. So it was like I took a huge. Like obviously that was just like a huge like wow, my hard work is paying off. But then it turned into maybe I can win this thing. <laughs> maybe. Right, of course. Yeah. You, so those are the stages. Yeah. So because it goes from shock to, okay, now I want to win. So there was that like, dang it, I lost moment. And you know, so all that did was it drove, it's going to drive me, but now I'm hoping not to get away too much from what got me to the final. You know what I mean? I don't want to get away too much from my writing from what got me to even being acknowledged as a finalist. So we'll see how that goes. But 
taking like that leaderboard, the reason why that kind of came to my mind is because that, that's going to help me on my pitcher side of things because I just got into pitchers more, like a, a lot more by getting jumping into Chamberlain's chart. Mm-hmm. And I think, oh, yeah, that's and amazing. That's, well, I didn't know how to play with that at all. Like, I was like, <laughs> I'm like, it was like Chinese, man. I'm like, click this. I'm like, oh, what's going on? And right. now it's like, it, it's really helped. And that's a great tool. And you guys are kind of, taking almost something like that and building on it and kind of making your own thing out of it over at Pitcherless. And you guys are putting up the CSW rate, which that's what Alex won the award for. I know it was a joint effort, but that's what he won the award for. No, no, he did. Okay. I I say this often, like I'm in a position where I can be like, Oh, that might be a cool idea. Mm -hmm. And then I just send it to someone who actually does all the hard work. Gotcha. So major props to Alex to like, be like, okay, he went to me and said, Nick, I think this is good. I think this is great. Like it deserves something. I'm going to do it. I'm like, all right, please go ahead. And you know, that was amazing. This industry as a whole, like nobody, it's like everybody is such a hard worker, but everybody's so willing to give each other credit. It's kind of awesome, kind of cool to be a part of something like that. That's a whole other discussion, I guess. I guess, uh, but at the end of the day, man, that leaderboard, I'm really excited for because it's really just going to, for selfish purposes, like I'm going to utilize it and it's going to help me with my my analysis and help me provide hopefully better educated answers. But Yeah, we want to, there's so much we want to do with it. Um, But yeah, the site as a whole, I mean, it's obviously a much different presentation than Mm -hmm. we had before. We have this new graphics team that's helping us out on top of the amazing work Justin Paradis has already done. Um, We have a ebook that's actually, I think, dropping today, finally, or maybe it's tomorrow. Um, Yeah, it's for everyone that signs up to our Pitcherless Plus, which allows us to get into the Discord and talk to the staff. Um, you get the ebook, you get uh, an ad-free experience on the site, you get a week entry into their weekly giveaways of merch and a lot more things that I'm obviously forgetting right now. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, everyone should be a part of that. It's really fun. And our Discord is the coolest place on the internet. Uh, so so it, it's just been so much fun doing uh, having 5.0 come out and all the things that we're working on behind the scenes with it. So And there's been, one more been, thing. It's been great. No, and I I was watching your live stream, and there's one more thing that really stuck out to me that is going to be like something I'm personally really looking forward to. I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, so maybe it'll jar the right memory. But something about I believe it was trends or something. You guys were going to do like like up to date like trends as things were right. happening. So so that's that's what I'm talking about with the leaderboard. Is that essentially I every day um, the landing page instead of actually being that massive thing where you have like a custom filters and everything that you mm-hmm. want. Um, we'd, uh, we'd actually have a page that showcases, Oh, Hey, these are the guys that threw harder fastballs yesterday. Yeah. That I'm um, so relative for that, to this man. year or last year. And we can say increased usage rates. We could say increased uh, swing strike rate stuff. This is clearly the thing that is just so important. Um, and then we have all the things on leaderboard that I haven't really talked about yet because I want all the filter system there, but we have all these different ways to apply granular pitch data. Like for example, yeah. I have plus percentage which is um, you take CSW, then you add in early strike fouls, so that's zero oh, counts, or, or zero strike and one strike foul balls, essentially not being wasted foul balls. Um, and then you also take in uh, balls in play that are weak, so that is a general out. Um, it just you know, pop up or a, a dribbler back to the pitcher, all that kind of stuff. What percentage of all pitches thrown by this pitcher or this pitch type uh, generate uh, something good for them? I'm so excited. Uh, so that kind of <laughs> stuff is like, wait, right. Obviously I want to know that because we're talking yeah. about the guys that aren't good at CSW. You talk about your Keiko types, even your, 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 well, Nola kind of, he's more of a called strike kind of guy, but you want to know these guys. I mean, you talk about Savali. I want to know his pulse yeah. percentage. I want to know how often he does generate that weak contact and include that. Cause that's just as important as those called strikes and those swing strikes. So uh, if not more so in a way, uh, so stuff like that, there, there's an endless pool. We actually have a channel in our staff that's, 
ideas for the site that's publicly, but also invent new stats. And it's just all of us just throwing ideas based on the incredible amounts of data that we have of like, what would be useful? What do we want to know? And then working with our data science team internally to, to make that happen. That is awesome. So it sounds like bigger and better things are on the horizon and people don't realize that this first step, like you said, was just the first step, exactly what it was. It wasn't, this isn't the end. This is the beginning. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Awesome. So speaking of the true beginning though, cause like, I don't know if you saw this ever, not necessarily ever being a thing, but maybe as fast as it's kind of turned into what it's turned to, but mm-hmm. how did PitcherList even begin? How did Nick Pollock get <laughs> into the industry and create this thing oh, that's man. become what it's become man which kudos to you it's honestly very impressive i'm not just kissing ass i truly mean it it's a testament to your hard work and it's awesome to see so congratulations on all the success going well, on right now and <laughs> well thank you i mean those are some really kind words um it's shocking to me kind of to have this kind of conversation honestly <laughs> i well i i was a college pitcher you know i um i, I gave pitching lessons i was a i coached travel ball as well and I actually had a moment um, where I got out of baseball for a bit. I had like a little bit of a lull because I was, I was just burnt out by it a bit. And I played music. I thought I was going to play guitar for the rest of my life. Well, who, Definitely who not. That? Yeah, right. I was that, like, though, right? why not? You know, um, it's the worst recession we've seen in ages. Let's just try and <laughs> play guitar and, and work in retail for a moment. Uh, and then I, I, I got into a job running a, a weird news website. And I started to learn WordPress. I was a computer science minor. And so I've always loved computers and tech stuff. And um, so I, I essentially learned how to make WordPress sites, not great ones, but you know, I could like manipulate them and do that kind of thing. And from there, I was like, you know what? I want to make my own baseball website. I'm a fancy baseball fan. I, I want to create a gift database where you can look up every single pitcher in the majors and actually see what they throw. And I was thinking in my head, like it's a finite thing. There are only so many pitchers and they have only so many pitches. So if I make X amount of gifts, um, I can then, you know, organize them on the site and then you'd have this uh, repository where you can just go and look them up. And that would be a really cool thing because I know I love this. I know I enjoy it. Those are so much fun to look at, watching so, the sliders and the... Right? That's like, the, that's the core of what we do. Um, so I created Pitcher Gifts back in 2014, PitcherGifts.com. I put it up on Reddit. I think we got like 40,000 hits in the first 24 hours or something, oh, broke wow. the site and all. Um, awesome. And I mean, I was really stupid. I, I could go along a long trail of all the stupid mistakes I've made along the way. Uh, but this one was hosting the gifts internally on the WordPress site, as opposed to using something like Jiffy Cat, which is yeah. external and then doesn't kill your bandwidth and slow down the entire <laughs> site massively. So when you have like, you know, 2000 gifts on the site, you might want to do them externally. Um, so, so that happened and then I realized, oh yeah, I should probably write something to have them coming back every day. <laughs> you know, I can't just like do this and that's it, done, over. So I started writing my pitching because that's the thing I cared about the most. And yeah. um, obviously I, I got into fan graphs. I think I had my renaissance like 2011, um, right after college, realizing like, oh yeah, Nick, there is more to the game now that you're out of it. <laughs> I, so, so I really jumped into all of that and then came up with the roundup because that's just something I felt that was useful. And uh, I remember actually, I, I remember reading Rasball at the time and I kind of liked the flow of Gray, just like the, the idea of having some inside jokes a bit, but not, you know, having, uh, I, I, I respect a lot what they do at Razzball. Um I know the, the, the thing that Gray does isn't for everybody necessarily. Yeah. And I a, wanted to kind of, right. So I want to kind of bridge it, I, like have a touch of that at times. Cause I am like that. 
like I see a lot of gray, you know, I met him in person, he's such a great guy. And I, I remember like seeing a lot of his goofiness. I'm like, oh yeah, I, I recognize that myself. So I, uh, so having a touch of that, of course, but then also, you know, so inside of like, don't read like a textbook, but at the same time feeling like this is direct information. Like you're looking for info. Great. You have that it's there. And it's this nice blend of just kind of yeah. casual feeling like your friend telling you what to think as opposed to, um, you know, an act or a, a professor. Uh, so we just kind of kept going from there. I don't know. It was, um, I had a couple of friends help me. Um, we got shut down by MLB um in 2014 not say that man that's awesome that was okay i was so excited i was i i couldn't believe that i had something that was actually getting traffic and working in 2014 you know we were building up our twitter following all that kind of stuff going on reddit and everything and uh man like i showed up on reddit our fantasy baseball said i was an expert and they all believed me for whatever reason and they took me in and I did those AMAs and, uh, and I've been doing them every Friday during the season uh, since uh, for this, this is like six years or whatever of doing those. But in, in May, um, I did an article on Jose Fernandez when he got Tommy John because that was 2014. And I did like the top 20 pitches of Jose Fernandez's 2014 season or like the best ones he's thrown. It was a really fun piece. It was just like, hey, here are some gifts of like the best ones. I made a comment on them. And MLB was like, no, 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 take down your site. I was like, are you serious? Like, hey, you're using audio and video for, uh, for, I was like, no, I'm not. I'm just doing like little simple gifts. It's like, I, I totally felt, and I still do, that we're completely compliant in fair use law, but I didn't have really much of a choice. And uh, so I had to take it down and I was really bummed. And I, it was, I, I found myself a couple of months later um, in July thinking, I, I, it wasn't really like, uh, I mean, at the time, I didn't know what was going on. Was this a business? Is it not? And I, in July, I was thinking, I don't care about it, making money. I, I just want to do it because I just enjoyed it so much, yeah. you know? And I, I mean, I, I just remember those days of like, I had no idea what was happening. <laughs> I mean, I say, what is happening? Like that, you know, I literally had no idea. And <laughs> I, so from there, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do... I'm going to come up with something new. It's going to be pitcher list. I'm going to break my top 100 starters because I already know that in my head because of SP Roundup. Like I have a frame of reference in my head doing those. Uh, so I'll, I'll bring it back. No gifts because I don't want them to be upset at me. But, you know, obviously no ads, nothing like that. And just write because I love this. This is what I enjoy. And it just kind of, I mean, from there, it just kept going. Um, I, I, I say it often that pitcher list is built on strangers. Because uh, the first couple of years, not until 2017, it was just people that emailed me um, or I would find someone doing some great stuff on Reddit and I would say, hey, man, you want to just like do it on my site because I can give you like a better format for this and suppose like some random Reddit post. Um, and I always paid people. I always felt that, you know, if you were doing something like this, taking your time, like you should be paid. It was all out of pocket. It wasn't getting any funding or anything. But I just felt that that was like the right thing to do. You're helping me with my hobby, you know, and you should be paid. <laughs> Um, well, so I guess, I guess, I guess retail and, uh, gets playing the guitar did pay enough. I mean, <laughs> if you were able to afford this out of your pocket, well, man. <laughs> so, so I had, so I, as I said, I was running that weird news website. Um, and then I shifted over and then I, I run a, I still do. I run a website for a, a company, a kind of front facing one. Um, and it's just a, you know, I, I denied like career changes with them because it was just a nice thing to be able to work from home and be able to do that. 
That is awesome. Um, so, uh, so really, it, it works well because I'm, you know, I'm always responding to them when they need me. But um, because of that, I didn't feel the need, the pressing need to, to make money or anything. Like, I, this is a passion project. It's my baby. It's yeah. not about making money on this. It's about really creating what I want to create. It's like my hobby, you know? So it'd be weird to take money from my hobby. What would I spend it on? My hobby. So, I, so it just goes back in. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I would just bring people on and, uh, I mean, Alex fast sent me an email, I remember 2016, I uh, just, uh, just being a fan of it in early April. And then he was from Brooklyn as well. And, uh, well, he's living in Brooklyn and we went and grabbed a beer over a Yankee Oriole game and, uh, <laughs> and he, and, and we were like, Hey, I need someone to do a podcast with. And he was like, yes. And I, <laughs> yes. it was probably the reverse. He was say, probably saying you should do a podcast. I was like, thank you. I'm trying to find someone. And that's when they on the corner started that summer. Um, but I mean, it's just been, you know, thing after thing, it just kind of fell into my lap. Actually. Uh, my first real uh, chance. I mean, there were two of them. One Shane Ryan from Grantland uh, in 2014, when that was still a thing. I had me help him out with a weekly piece that he was doing, which was just really cool. And I got to make gifts with him and talk about these players and he, as he like broke down pictures. And then Neil Greenberg of Washington Post um, was headlining fancy stats on their sections and had me do some weekly articles. And that eventually one of them was published in the paper, like actually <laughs> in the Washington Post, I think in 2015, That's awesome. which is stupid. <laughs> I, I, I should not have had that. Hey um, man, you gotta take what you can get. I mean, I mean it was, why it was, argue with results? it was really funny. Like I, on Tuesday, he sent me an email just, Oh, hey, by the way, like, you know, your, your Kyle Hendricks piece was in the paper on Sunday. <laughs> oh, by I was the like, way. wait, what? I was like, yeah, I got, I got you two copies. I'll send it to you. I was, was going like, to ask you, do you still have it framed or anything? Like, I, I, my parents have one. That's cool. Um, and then I have one like tucked away to make sure that's preserved. Oh, uh, I was going to say, you, got a fr- you should frame yeah, it, Yeah, I probably should. You I really should do should. that. Honestly, that's something, <laughs> that's something to be proud of. It really is. I mean, it's, I know it's weird. I know it's weird to you. But man, if anything I ever did won me an award or, or got, got a paper or something like that, like, like you said, the Washington Post, the freaking right. Washington I Post. I mean, that, that, was, that was absurd. <laughs> it, it's, it's one of those things that I feel um, – I, I feel like I, it, there have been people who have done more work and more deserving than I was at that time. And I, I just, it was just a situation of circumstance. And that's kind of, I think, why I've degraded it mentally. Because it was like this thing I got to do every week, which was cool. And I got to write about it. But I look back at it. It wasn't my best writing. I was just doing it, you know, a year and a half in or whatever. And uh, it was just they, they literally needed something. And they didn't have anything. And they're like, okay, cool. We have that one. Sure. Why not? And they threw it in there. Well, you and, know what? People would die for that. Like, I would, I would, I would, I'd be glad if somebody said, "You know what? Screw it. We'll take Curlin's work here." And throw well, it. Right. I, <laughs> like, I don't mean I, to. I don't mean to sound un, uh, ungrateful no, for no, no, it. No, no, you but, don't but, sound but, ungrateful, right. but like, you shouldn't be so down. I, I can tell you're almost like the way you're saying it is like you were kind of down on yourself at the time, or you've been a little like like you say you've mentally degraded it a bit. And I'm just saying you really shouldn't. You should be. I mean, regardless of how it happened it's an awesome thing that happened to you and you should be honestly proud of it, even though it wasn't your best work. That's well, I'll, I'll take that. Uh, thank you. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so major props to, to Neil and, and Shane for giving me a chance early on. Um, and then of course, 2016, um, I got to meet uh, Spore and Eno and then New York city meetup. And I was, I remember being blown away that they even like, you know, recognized me and knew I existed. Mm-hmm. And then Spore gave me a, uh, a ticket to the Sabre, uh, Sabre metrics talk the next day. 
Um, and it, I feel weird even talking about this now because that was amazing. The sport just like went out on a limb for me like that. Um, and uh, I feel weird about it because at the time, this was such an incredible thing. And in retrospect, I, I feel terrible about, you know, aiding this person at all, given what's come out. But 2016, I became really close with Jonah Carey, um, which if you remember, I mean, back then before we were all aware of his horrible yeah. charges and everything, um, you know, he, this, he was one of the highest regarded writers out there. Yeah. And I, and he, he, he allowed me to, you know, he was giving me a lot of promotion on Twitter. Uh, one of our early jumps was a lot because of Co- uh, Jonah. I remember the playoffs coming around. He said, oh, yeah, for a follow, go to check out Pitchless for the playoffs. And we got like a thousand followers. Like, <laughs> this awesome. is what he did. You know, he did so much. And I actually, during the World Series, I remember with the Cubs, uh, the Cubs winning the World Series, uh, he called me his work wife because uh, we were on Gchat during the World Series and everything. And I would help him write his article for the next day and actually have parts of it. And that was really for me. And we talk about, um, we talk about adding fuel to your, your engine, right? About, you know, what's, what's pouring in the coal and everything. And that's the kind of stuff that keeps you going, you know, that makes you like, okay, I, you, you take those steps and you want to, you can work for months based on that, you know? Um, and I, obviously it's just to, to hear the news. It's just quickly. It's just like, my God, Jonah, it's, <sighs> I, I, it's horrible. Um, and to know it's, that kind of thing, it's, it's terrible. Cra- it's crazy because you knew him one way. You had no idea any of this was happening. And then when you hear the news that you hear, it must have like you, mu- at first it was almost like disbelief, I'm sure. And then it's like, wow, when it's, when it sets in, you're like, oh my goodness, this really happened. I mean, it, it, it's yeah, it, it's, it's horrible. It's really, I, I couldn't, I couldn't feel worse for, I, uh, you know, the family that was, that was new about this monster. Um, but anyway, uh, so that was something. And then 2017 comes around and, we have 3.0 getting launched. Um, actually, that was 2018. Uh, man, it's 2020 now. My God. Okay. <laughs> it's flying, man. Uh, <laughs> 2017 Spore gave me another opportunity. Brought me onto the Rotographs team. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that was ridiculous. And uh, now you guys argue passionately. Like, oh, was, man. That podcast was awesome. There was some, <laughs> there was some there, I'm not going to lie to you. There were some, like, I could feel the tension through through my cell phone. And I'm like, oh, like, obviously, no, you guys get along. No, guys no, do- completely. No, oh, it's no. one of those things where it's like we it's awesome. doing even in the moment moment, we both are very much aware of this being like a bottle of like this is only as we do this and you know, completely separate. You know, oh yeah, definitely. I mean ones. I was gonna say I'm sure there's no actual animosity there, but it's kinda cool because I'm starting to form this. Like, oh, oh, by the way, my co-host SP Stream, one of my co-hosts, SP Streamer. Um, oh yeah, Mike. He's, yeah, Mike. He says hi. By the way. Hey, but, of course. Uh, <laughs> because he, back. Um, well, you and I are doing this during work hours, like normal people work hours. So uh, <laughs> he wasn't he wasn't able to join, but he says hi. But him and I have kind of started going that route as far as like we'll get into it on the podcast, and it's all out of just respect for one another because obviously you know he's strong. His opinions. He has his strong opinions. I have mine, and. Uh, it's at that point where it's like, well, you know what? Screw it. We're, I guess this is it. This, we're going to battle on this subject right now. Right. Rub my hands together. Like, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, I, mean, I, I mean, I knew beforehand that there would be certain things of contention. I was just like, all right. Okay, let's, here we let's go. No. <laughs> I, but I, no, I mean, I often say one of the best things, I've made two really big mistakes that have been great. One is calling Scott Bogman, Steve Bogman. Yes. Um, yes. And because <laughs> that, that I mean, <laughs> that, that created that great relationship with the Welsh and Bogman, which I, I really treasure. Um, and the other is that I ranked Luis Castillo so highly that it started the fireside chat with Spore. 
Um, and those are kind of those things where even through like the bad stuff you have to like, or things that you regret, you know, come these mm -hmm. um, great opportunities and be able to actually be in a better place after. Uh, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's just been one of those things where, you know, we jumped from like 10 to 15 staff members in 3.0. I kind of just said, screw it. Let's go to Reddit and see, actually do open applications for once. And I couldn't believe that we got like 70 applications at the end of 2017. I was like, why, why do you guys? Okay. All right. Um, and we hired 35 and I had no budget for it and I didn't care. I, I was like, I'm going to find a way because I want this to exist yeah. and we'll figure this out. And, um, and obviously it's just kept going. Um, we found so many talented people here now. And I mean, we have a staff of a hundred, um, with, uh, with 20 managers. Um, and keep in mind, this is all part-time stuff. We've gone yeah. up, of course, we've, we've doubled how much we pay for, for articles and all, but it, it's one of those things that, I mean, I don't take anything from it and it's all just, I want to create the best baseball website on the internet. What can we do? How can we be better? And this incredible staff has allowed us to do so much. That is, it is impressive. I mean, and I'm not gonna lie to you. I gave Alex a little bit of a hard time on this, but I guess I actually applied to picture list at the same time I applied for fan tracks. I never heard back from you. No. Yeah. Okay. When did you apply though? Um, it was right towards, it was, um, it was 2019. It was last year when you were looking for people for deep dive articles. Oh, in uh, over the summer. It must have been. So, I think, yeah, so we, was, we did a, yeah. right. Okay. So, um, over the summer, we did a small, like a very brief one for pitch. It was mostly yes. for, for Cubulus. And that was where all our, all our attention went. Um, so Listen, it's a I possibility. Never it, yeah. I, never took, I never took it personal. I promise you I never did. But if I, if I had you on here and didn't point out the fact that you passed me up, <laughs> I would have I beat myself up. Just, just to give you a hard time for nothing Oh, else. no, of course. Because it's all uh, good Well fun. deserved. It's, uh, now, it's and you're doing great stuff at Fantrax. It's, so yeah. it's worked out at Fantrax. I'm, I have no regrets at all. I just think it's funny because like I gave I gave Alex some hard time. I'm, I have to give Nick, <laughs> big man, a pitchless hard time. By all means, man, well deserved. But um, it's it's like I said, it's all good fun. Obviously, I hold no ill will. I'm honestly excited to see you guys growing, and it's been impressive. I mean, I've had a chance to work um with Shelly a bit. She's awesome over at your oh, site. Yeah, she, she's Col great. Uh, Weather Weatherwax, Colin yeah. Weatherwax, another guy. I mean, we, I'm really excited for Colin's uh, fab articles he's gonna be putting out on Sundays this year. Yeah. So, and I know he's a smart guy, and um, I've just had a, like I said, I've had a chance to work closely with or have these or have these people on the podcast already as well and you guys have a really good team that's constantly growing and then you guys have other you know there's a lot of names i, I honestly i'm sure there's like 50 people i probably know i just can't think of them all right now <laughs> but you you said you mentioned you have a staff of 100 i've had a chance to interact with a lot of them and a lot of good people you guys have a really good thing going over there and it's kind of exciting to see because what you're doing I honestly was like, I would love to go through the idea of having a website and all that, but it's so hard, not just for competing purposes. A lot of me, a lot of it is just, I want one place someone can go for all my content. Right, right. now I'm spread out. Like I'm ready for fan tracks. My podcast was uh, picked up and is part of Rotoballer Network now. So it's like, oh, great. I, I know I mean, I'm very fortunate. Like I'm not, and I'm in a, you know, and like you mentioned, any money I make, because I've been fortunate enough to make some off this relatively quickly, which isn't common as well. I'm essentially trying to save up and put into taking this to the next step as well but it's just i'm trying to, it's like what can i do that hasn't been done and maybe it's not about doing it doing what hasn't been done because i just can't keep up with some of these other teams you know clearly what you're doing which is great again i i have to remind myself it's okay not to be able to keep up but if i'm going to do my own thing to make sure i do it well and to just show my personality and be myself so i kind of look at you guys what you guys are doing as far as like like i said picture list or heck even espn cbs i look at all the big names i'm like I can do something like this or at least get my stuff in one place. So I don't know. There's, there's definitely 
a grand grand scheme to things, but I'm not there yet. I just right now I'm just so spread out, and I'm in no position to bring it all together. Well, kind of went a different route. The way I see it is in the realm of fantasy baseball. There's really, I don't think people are going to get tired out. Um, and I kind of see it just as you know, you're not going to just have one friend that you hang out with always, mm-hmm. right? You, you're going to have lots of friends, and you know, you it, it's something where I don't feel bad that you hang out with other people or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's uh, as long as you're having good discussions. Yeah. Um, and I don't mind openly saying that we're trying to be the anti barstool sports. Yeah. Um, because I, I, I really do feel that, um, especially when it comes to sports in general, fantasy baseball is the bubble, the amazing one that does it a lot the right way of not, you know, of being kind to each other and being in the, in the uh, business of good conversation as opposed to hot takes. You know, it's not about being the one that's right and wrong and you're wrong and this is that. Actually, I generally avoid the word arguing because it's not about arguing. Once it becomes heated and emotional, then it's just losing the point. It's about being passionate about something. I just want to talk about this. You know, discussion. That, right, exactly. Uh, and yeah, we're in, the, in the, the business of good discussion is why I tell the staff. And uh, sure. you know, think of it this way. Like, you know, let's say you're a fan of Star Trek or something like that. You know, you're not going to argue with a person that's a fan of it. You're going to talk about it. You're going to say, oh, I love this episode. You love this one. You know, what would this guy do in this situation? All that kind of stuff. It's just you want to connect on your love for, the, for Star Trek or whatever. It's the same like it is for fantasy baseball. We should just all be excited about this and want to help each other out. And you're going to be wrong a lot. And we all know that. And that's fine. It's about owning your wrong. Though. It's about owning it. And then what did you learn from it? That's why I've right, realized sure. like, I'm, I'm all about like, hey, I'm fully transparent. Like, hey, I was wrong on this person, this person, this person. I got this right. But nobody cares about what you got right. Everybody's so quick to point out what you got wrong. So yeah. it's like, fine. I got it wrong. But you know what? I learned something. I won't make this mistake again. But you know what? If you want to follow me and see if I make a mistake against you, point it out again. Sure, let's let's do this. Like I'm not, I'm not. But I've realized even the trolls aren't as trolly on baseball side of things. Football is a monster. They're they're but- <laughs> always going to be some. And actually, if you get them, that's a good thing. Uh, yeah. My dad would. <laughs> my dad is is a very interesting guy, and I he always is one of those people like son. There is a Turkish phrase for that, and he said that. Um, the the dog barks the caravan passes and that's yeah. that's how i feel about yeah, that's, about that's essentially all that kind of stuff it's just like you know and another one um like is uh you know you, you can't bring down that which hasn't risen right so if you are getting this stuff it means that okay you've done something that matters in a degree um if you combine those two then it's like yeah that thing's gonna happen and whatever and those people you just gotta you know that exists and you don't you can't please them all. You can't like win at bowling with Leslie Nope's one hater. You have to, uh, you know, you have to do your thing and keep going. Yeah, that look on my face because again, people people don't realize we actually are video chatting. It's the only way to do podcasts, all right. You I, gotta I can, look at each other. Well, and that's why the look on my face. I feel the need <laughs> to explain myself now because that, that that saying from your dad with the whole caravan and dog barking. I'm like, I mean, that's it, it makes a lot of sense, but I've never heard that before. So I was like, what the hell? Was that's like, okay, my dad. Yeah, awesome. it is. <laughs> Awesome. Hey, shout out to Pitchless Dad, man. What's up? <laughs> now, I wanted one thing I wrote down while you were uh, discussing some of your history was the obviously being a college pitcher, which is kind of cool in itself. That's a whole other discussion. But how does that has that given you like for there's an example that kind of ties that right away in my head. I heard you talking to sport. I believe it was on uh, I believe it was on one of your fireside chats about some of the intangible things, some of the things that you can't put into numbers and being in a rhythm in a zone and i guess as a college pitcher sure, yeah because i think you were discussing flaherty's second half yep, where yeah that's rhythm yeah then the numbers 
obviously didn't back it, but you just when you were watching him, you saw he was in that mindset, that zone that you can't quantify numbers. And I have since cited that example because it's a reminder that as much as the numbers are the new thing in baseball, especially fantasy, regardless, baseball as a whole, it's turning super analytical, which is yep. uh, for me, I enjoy. A lot of people don't. I tend to enjoy the numbers. But with that said, there's a human aspect. There's a just a baseball aspect of things that you almost forget when you're so far removed from the sport. Like I haven't played since high school and I forget that hot streaks happen. And I forgot now ever since hearing you discuss that whole being in the rhythm, I'm like, you know what? That is a thing. You can't quantify that in the numbers, but that is such a thing. And being a, I guess this goes back to being a college pitcher. I guess that kind of that, all that experience reminds you that there is more to baseball than just the numbers I would assume. Right. And how is that, has that kind of helped you? Has that hurt you in, in yeah, a sense as, a, uh, as an I analyst? I honestly can't tell you. Um, because you'll you'll see people that are anti stats. You, you you have someone in every hometown league is like they'll pick up like Nick Ramirez, you know, because he had like two good starts. And like and you're like Nick Ramirez is not good, man. He goes, I don't know, man. He's you know he's he's hot right now. He's doing his thing, and there's always that understanding of like, right, this is a skill sport, and with any skill that you've ever had, uh, you know, you're draining threes over and over again. I've got it. You know, he's feeling it right now. That that's so obvious. Right, you get as a human, you know, locked in, in in the zone, and then sometimes you're not. Um, and I will say, during the course of a season, especially with pitching, it is very much you get you you get confidence in your stuff. You trust your muscle memory more. You don't overthink it. You just you understand. There's like a, I, I don't know how to describe it exactly, but as you're releasing a pitch, your brain is so in tune with the tips of your fingers, essentially, when you're locked in. And you just know exactly the moment you're supposed to release it. And if it comes off slightly off or in like the very most minuscule way, you'll know. And if you're on release, you know, you've got it. Right. Um, it's so awesome, and, man. I mean, you, you don't hear this being spoken about in fantasy sports because, again, first off, most of us don't have college experience or, or beyond high school. And even in high school, because a lot of, for a lot of us, include, I mean, I'm, I'm not old by any means. I'm turning 30 this year, but that's still what 10 or so 15, almost like 12, 13 years ago since I played. And it's just, it's like, you forget that feeling. You forget that you're so far removed from it that it's an afterthought. So that really, like I said, I just can't get over how that resonated with me, how it just stuck with me when you said that. Cause I was like, wow, there is just something about baseball that you forget when you're trying to be an analyst on the fantasy side of things. Right. Um, I mean, I found myself like doing streamer picks at the time being like, look, I, I watched him last game. He looked really in rhythm. I mean that, and that could burn <laughs> me. Cause then the next day, you know, he's terrible. Like I remember watching Peter Lampert's debut against the Cubs and thinking, man, that guy, he was feeling it all. Like that was legit what he was just doing. And then of course he was terrible the rest of the year, same for like two other starts. And that's just one of those things. Um, same thing with, uh, I think it was Cal Quantrill had the start like that too. I'm like, this ain't so bad. I'm like, oh wait, this is kind of bad. So uh, it, it does hurt you sometimes. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's, it's very important to say like, this is, um, especially in small samples, when you see that, you have to acknowledge like, okay, today he was in rhythm. And is that going to carry over or not? Now and that's the key right there. Yeah. Right. And it helps to say, you know, it helps in the cases where we completely lock out from guys because like, Oh no, it can't be this guy because he's X, Y, and Z. But then you watch him, you understand him and you go, okay, wait, no, he was in rhythm. And there is now an opportunity. There is now at least that one out of 20 that he didn't have before. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know why my brain is going to this, but I'm thinking like in a pond, 
there's just now one lily pad to hit as opposed to zero. I don't know. That's just where my <laughs> mind is there. And like, you're not going to hit it probably, but you can. You got to try. Right? That, you gotta, that's you the innocent Zen pond of Nick Pollock. Um, <laughs> but I, but right, that's something that does help and sometimes grasp like, okay, this is why this guy's getting effective. Great. Because he has every single pitcher in the majors, if they try and do what they do, would be an ace. Every single one. And the thing about it is, that's so hard to do. I mean, it, it's really, really so hard to be a consistent pitcher in the majors. Uh, pitching is very, it's like one of the hardest things to do. So uh, once you grasp that, that every single pitcher has something to them that makes them a major leaguer, it can work on a given day. And if they get into rhythm of that, then that can succeed for longer than we expect. Which is this goes? I'm not gonna let you. I'm, I'm gonna let you stop right there about the streaming stuff because I know you have a whole discussion. Oh, you probably man. actually, you probably have it all in your head. I, oh, I actually, I don't ruin, there's I don't a whiteboard your, right here it, yeah, that I haven't put up on the wall yet. That is actually me outlining that because you have like, <laughs> that's what you're that's what you're talking about. At First pitch, Florida. Which, yes, the, the art of streaming pitchers. Which I'm gonna be. Ta- I already told Mike I'll take notes and I'll let him know because <laughs> he's actually he's he actually was really his last year was his first year doing it. And he was really successful and it was you know. It's just kind of cool. And I'm curious. I think his big thing is because he couldn't make it. He, want, he just wants to know if he's missing something, which honestly, maybe he's not. Who knows? Oh, maybe, man. Maybe he's just um, – but, but now so, – So I wonder – okay. I don't know how much I should spoil about that presentation. I, I don't want you to – I don't want you to spoil it because, again, that's okay. part of why we're going. And it's kind of why I'm going. Don't get me wrong. I want to know. I, I'm, I'm going to – I'll say this. I'm going to set the tone very early in that presentation <laughs> about okay. what you should be expecting the rest of the way through it. That's awesome. There, I'll also say this: there is never going to be a secret sauce of like. I mean, look if you look at like an entire season, if you are so prophetic that you can say, "All right, this sub fifteen percent pitcher is the one that's going to perform today," you would win every single year. You need to bet money on these games, then type of thing. Well, no, but you can't. That's what I'm saying. It's like yeah. that's just not. It is a terrible bet to make. I actually yeah. personally don't play DFS. Because I recognize in such small samples, it is just not worth your time. Um, personally, I don't, I don't feel that I don't, way. I don't do DFS personally. I've just, I've been found success doing it. Like I know I've been doing, I've done, I've done very well. And that's what made me want to do fantasy baseball analysis. Cause I found myself doing very well in my home leagues and some of these more competitive leagues as I kind of, you know, get into these things more. So it made me say, it made me realize I want to put my information out there and hopefully I do well and help others do well in the process. Right. But and, I'm, I just find in daily, I'm not as successful because I have a more of a bigger picture type of feel for things versus that single that singular day. That's event. a great way of putting it. Yeah, big picture, right? Like I, I, I focus on these guys and like, okay, this stuff could translate into X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And, but the single day, it's just so hard. And don't get me wrong. I understand there are ways to be successful and it. it's not like you should oh, yeah. never, ever play it. And I'm not trying to say like, oh, it's a scam or no, it's not. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying for me personally, I, I look at a single day and I make my streamer picks and stuff and I, it's, it's all just so difficult to get right. So I'm not going to reveal the art of, okay, just do this guys and you'll have a successful season. Um, that's not necessarily what the presentation is about, but there are a lot of things that can help you along the way. There is one question I'm going to ask. Sure. And I guess it's kind of, maybe it's the end of, maybe this will be the end of no, your, go ahead. Uh, yeah. no, I'm thinking this might, this might be how you wrap up your presentations. I'm hoping maybe you can answer this. It's just, what exactly do you, it's the only question I'm going to ask is what exactly do you consider a successful streamer? 
Ah, right. So I actually have a win-loss uh, thing. And it really depends on what you're looking for. Because like mm-hmm. in a head-to-head league, sometimes you want to win. Sometimes you want to strike out. And that's not, you know, it's, well, streaming is not always this created equal, right? Yeah. Um, and you can pick different guys based on what you're going for. Um, generally, I, I see it as if you got a sub four ERA with at least five innings, um, gotcha. regardless of the strikeouts. That's usually your your blanket. <laughs> right. I'm over here with my hands. Again, people can't yeah. see this, but I speak with my yeah. hands. That's like, that's like your, uh, your blanket. Uh, you uh, can make gotcha. an argument that like 4.5, like if it's a quality start, that is okay too. I understand that. Um, I like to think that in head-to-head leagues, you have to have a, a sub four ERA um gotcha. roto as well so if that's not it's just, if it's not helping you there then you yeah that should be a loss it's just, it's just hard because quality start like you said is a four and a half era but and that's right it's yeah it's <laughs> it's it's, 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 but it's tough because there are leagues like you said quality start gets you points in points leagues it gets you a lot of, right. a, lot of a lot of i play in leagues with quality starts as a, as a category it's so it's one of those things like can you can is there such thing as like a point five? Like I feel like that's a point five at least. Like, I, you know I, mean? I had ties one year and I, I hated it. So I only did win and loss last year. And I even would go to the comments like I'm claiming it as this. If comments want to go the other way, then fine. Please go in the comments. Yeah. And I would always yeah. say loss. Like give me the win. <laughs> give me the win in the comments. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. And that's the thing. So I guess it's kind of it's almost subjective how you judge your own wins and losses i'm not sure how mike does it this is when i wish he was on so you guys could talk about it <laughs> sure because again he did his own thing last year and he's gonna do it again this year i would assume <laughs> thus the name i mean if the, he does it then you know that, like that, i'm that, always gonna do the pitcher list so yeah you, you have to now you that's right like, that's, that's your brand you started that so he's got to do the streams well we'll see i, I mean he's gonna, he's gonna listen to this so. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's gonna be interesting i think he's gonna i wonder i'm trying to remember i really you've do sold your soul mike this is yeah, it now this is it <laughs> you hear that mike you hear that <laughs> um this kind of goes into just player valuations kind of I, we honestly i'm surprised how long we talked about that so we don't have to spend too much time on this part if you don't want but i just no. want to hear as far as your starting pitcher valuations just because or how you go about them because again you might have and i'm guessing i, I know you do from just listening to you speak in general you have a very in-depth way of going about, you know, in going into pitchers. You break down pitches. I know you do all that, but I guess maybe like a little over an overlook on how you do it all together. Sure. Um, so, so as far like preseason is a different animal, I think, than in-season um, because you have to, you have to take much more into account volume about what you're getting for the full year in the preseason. And then during the year, it's just kind of about the next two months. Uh, because I mean, essentially in the season, it's about less so of trades, just about who to pick up. And even then, it's not even like two months. It's like the next month. Am I okay with this guy or not? The other one. Um, so both the ways, like there is that element of volume fine, but really it's about, okay, what are they doing? Well, uh, what can they do? What is their approach? And uh, is this something that can change and get better? Or is this kind of where they're capped at or not? Um, and when, if you want to talk about like what the bare bones of what I want out of a pitcher, it's really three things. And it's, it can be two. But uh, for the most part, you want to have a fastball that isn't terrible <laughs> that you can actually get strikes with. And it's kind of the thing that makes me a little scared always of Maeda and Tanaka because they have fastballs that are like, please don't hit me. 
because we're terrible. <laughs> but they go, the far, episode, they go far away. They go very it's, far It's away. what I classified as stuff McNasty's, where they, uh, they have excellent secondary stuff, but their fastball is clearly their weak point. We need to and get Wilson that Lamette term. is in there. We need to get that term in the Fangraphs glossary. Yeah, right. <laughs> I... Um, yeah, I actually, this is the, the presentation I made in first pitch Arizona was about, okay. Uh, the four classifications of pitchers and one of them was a stuffing nasty. That's awesome. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, what? I figured like giving a massive presentation at a conference, let's do things like stuff nasty. Okay. I, <laughs> that's what the but, guys kept. That's what people came for, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but right. So, so you're looking at their secondary stuff then is after the fastball, can they throw that effectively? Is that good enough? And okay, cool. Then you look at secondary stuff for two things. One, an offering that he can consistently throw for a strike. And then another one that he can consistently get for whiffs. Um, it's always great when you have more, multiple pitches that you can get whiffs, whiffs with. In general, if you can get whiffs with them, that means you can also confidently get them in the zone. So generally, that's more important than the strike getting one. Uh, but if you look actually, Blake Snell in his 100-inning sample last year, he actually struggled to throw secondary pitches for strikes uh, for called strikes, essentially. Um, low zone rates off Sunday. They all fell a bit. That is curveball and slider from 2018. That was part of the reason why he walked a lot more batters. Uh, he had to turn to his fastball more, which actually did really well. But still, you need that secondary pitch as well because then you'll just get burned on the long ball a bit more when they are waiting for that fastball. It doesn't matter even if it does perform better. Uh, so those are the three things innately, right? You want to, I want to trust that they have a whiff pitch that they can turn to. And if they have it at 15%, like, well, maybe they can go to 25. You know, the idea that, that teams don't change anymore is kind of going out the window. We see pitchers change all the time and it's great. It is so exciting. Even teams like the pirates, they're now changing their approaches and figuring this out. It's, it's embarrassing if clubs don't at this point, which is wonderful. So there's a lot more optimism than there used to be because of this kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, but look at Dinos and Lamette. I mean, I, I go to him again because he has one breaking ball and it's not two. I don't care what Savant says. It's not <laughs> a curveball on the slider. It's one breaking ball. Call it whatever you want. It's, I think it's a slider, whatever. But he doesn't have anything else to turn to with it. And so he has thrown like a ton of sliders. And that's great. But I can't see him turn into an elite arm because he doesn't have like uh, like Luke Weaver's cutter, for example, which is why I'm excited about him because, oh, yeah, he can sneak that into the plate now. Now he has a fastball up and change up down. It's what Eduardo Rodriguez is dying for, and his cutter's bad. Or his cutter slash slider is not good, and Weaver's yeah. is great, or at least good enough. So it's E-Rod little things just, like that. Erod is just one. I've been telling oh, you, I, I haven't been a big Erod guy before this year. And then I looked at his two-seamer the other day, and I'm like, that thing is beautiful at inducing weak contact. We're talking a zero barrel rate. Well, with over, I think he threw over uh, 700 of them, right? He threw a lot of them last year, and he had it had no barrel rate. <laughs> it had um, like a 73% weak contact rate and like a 60-something percent ground ball rate. And I'm, I'm guessing that's part of what he's turned to as far as just pitching the contact with that pitch. Yeah, but, well, yeah, that two-seamer is weird. I, <laughs> I'm just looking – because I looked at it the other day, again, and I, I, I tweeted about it because I was like, this is just – it blew my mind that you could throw something so much and have, you know, a 0% barrel rate. That was like the first thing. Right? Oh, yeah. There was, was – what was it? Lance Lynn's uh, – Yeah. That was – Mike pointed out the, the two pitches with no barrel rate. I was like, what? Wait, what? Like 0%? <laughs> I guess like, – and I'm a huge Lance Lynn guy, and I, I was looking at your ranks a little bit, and he's the guy we're really close on. And 
there's a couple guys I'm writing down that you're a little lower on because because uh, you mentioned fastballs. <laughs> I guess I'll jump right into it because you mentioned a good fastball and then you look at Woodruff and he's like one of those guys you're either in or you're out on and you have him ranked appropriately. I think it was like 33. I think it was. When I looked yep, at it. I think that sounds about right. I think and Sonny Gray's right above him. I actually had him at 20 at one point. <laughs> Wildly optimistic. See, I, I understand it. I understand I, it. I moved him down because I realized there's, I, I need to stop because I need, there's guys like Thor and Bauer I'm willing to take another chance on because I think Thor and Bauer have a level of upside that Woodruff doesn't quite have. Sure. So I've made that fl- – I've, I've, moved, I've moved Woodruff down to about 25-ish. So, again, we're kind of closer. I just – I don't know, man. I'm wildly optimistic. Those fastballs are just beautiful. And then that changeup has – like I think it was Eno that pointed out the 10-mile-per-hour difference, which is a huge thing. And apparently the changeup itself actually got improved over the last few months. And there's just, and then if you look at the actual uh, velocity, you saw his velocity actually crept up throughout the year instead of down, which is an awesome trend to see. So, so I will say with Woodruff, um, the velocity going up, um, considering he essentially got hurt and then came back as kind of a reliever as opposed to a real yeah, starter. Yeah, he didn't do because well, they like they didn't really nine. they didn't let him throw a lot because the Brewers in September. Oh man, let me tell you, yeah. Craig Council's like, all right, three innings. Oh, look at the time. Yeah. And uh, they take you true. out. So, so Woodruff, I think got those opportunities to just kind of push those, it a little bit more in those yeah. time, those times. Um, That's true. I don't know if I believe that the changeup is going to be a consistent offering for Woodruff. Uh, it's of the split variety a little bit. And what we've seen in the past from him is that there are times it looks filthy. I remember when he first came up, we were like, Whoa, what is this? And then all of a sudden like, Oh, right now it's bad. Um, so we don't really know what we're going to see out of that. And the slider isn't that great. I, uh, here's the thing. Woodruff, if he throws 200 innings, will well beat that 33 mark. Uh, his four seamer is really, really, really good. It will be a little bit worse this year. Omar Levias from Grundell. I think we've talked about that a lot, but there should be an impact from that. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it's going to perform as well as it did last year. And considering that's everything for him, it's hard to really bank on the same kind of performance. But 200 innings is the kind of thing that the Brewers would let Woodruff do because no one else is getting that opportunity there. And they, it's kind of like with the Rays where they're like, Morden, go, and we're going to figure it out with everyone else, right? I just wish they'd bring on Corbin Burns as a starter again. But that's just Oh, man. I Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I yes yes yeah uh, I happen. I'm still kind of in shock of how bad that was last year. I had I had Corbin Burns I think at 81 or 80 to start the year or something like that, and or like an initial list, and obviously he crept up a lot as I got more hype that he got in the rotation spot. Uh, but at the same time, I'm just like ah, oh, like it was there and he looked so good. And then it wasn't at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And but my thing is is um in early draft I'm champions so leagues. I did a couple I did a couple early draft <laughs> champions leagues and I've been saying get Corbin Burns because at the very least, I think he's gonna be one of those great He's going to be like a Ryan Presley type out of the bullpen. multi sure. reliever. The slider is so good. The slider. And I think it's a slider fastball combo that he has, right? Right. So the fastball is what got sli- burned. And last year, it's like kind of cut action to it. And that slider is ridiculous. Yes. It's so good. <laughs> and it's actually why I picked Burns over Woodruff last year is because between the two, yeah. I didn't think that Woodruff's fastball was going to be as good as it was. And I you know, Burns had the best pitch and didn't really feel like there was a massive difference between the two fastballs. But something that I've learned definitely and – uh, is especially with the talks about spin efficiency and all that kind of stuff and how we like four seamers. I used to really like, I mean, especially as a pitcher too, it makes so much sense. Oh yeah, you want cut action on your, your fastballs. Look at Mariano and Rivera's cutter and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, right? Well, there's a difference between a cutter and a cut fastball and that uh, cut fastball is really a four seamer that has like a touch 
extra of like, you know, lateral movement, kind of like we saw with Glasnow in that Chicago White Sox start last year. If you watch that one, which like we all should have because it was such a fun moment. Uh, but there, you know, his fastball is getting that cut action at the last moment against the White Sox and it was kind of blowing our minds. It's not a good thing. You want actually the, the ball to be getting as much rise as it can. Yeah. And it, having some sort of cut action is actually taken away from that. It also makes it a little bit harder to throw right. So in some cases, I think with Burns, the, the cut action was helping guys get uh, more barrels on it. Um, so it, it's definitely something I see that now. I go, ah, I don't know if I want that. It looks so pretty, but it's not actually what we want. Now, if it turns into a full cutter, you know, with actual, with more exaggerated movement, uh, then okay, then then that then needs to be a separate pitch from your actual four seamer. So that's, that's something to consider with that with Corbin Burns, and hopefully he, I don't know if that's still around or not. Uh, oh, I just but, uh, know that I just know that Burns. The biggest reason why I wanted them was because first off, I'm hoping they give him a second chance in the in the rotation at some point this year. But second, secondly, if if anything else, like I mentioned, that multi inning reliever role. But maybe they allow Hader to go back more to a, his his fireman role, so to speak. Mm-hmm. with the you know yeah, as well, that would being, disappoint so many early drafters <laughs> but if, but it, but it, it, it would but if they do because they they they, they got pomeranz oh no the no, the, the padres padres took pa- got yeah, it back pa- yeah padres got pomeranz i'm all over the place don't mind no, me. don't worry hey, i've done the same thing i last night i asked where is homer bailey now <laughs> right 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 twins okay okay rich hill's there too right i think um yeah yeah exactly yeah but so, anyways, back to Burns because now that I look like an idiot. Um, <laughs> I know I appreciate that. No, but uh, Burns is uh, just they, they that allows them to kind of be a little more flexible with that eighth, ninth inning role. That maybe Burns falls into five or six saves. You know, maybe he just falls into that. Yeah, sure. And that's why I'm like, I'm like, because saves are so hard to come by. But in today's game, he's the type of guy you grab because if he's if he's hot in the seventh, and you know he if he's a multi if he's a two three inning guy, he might come in the seventh end of the seventh. You know, in the three batter minimum thing it could play into him just grabbing an extra save here and there. Just that, that was my big thing. Like maybe he falls into a few saves, but if he falls into the starting rotation. That's even better because his value, I think he's right, we'll outside, see. Well, I think he's outside the top 380p right now. So, so and that, that's a great point about Burns. Um, I will say the Brewers as a whole, I have found myself just completely ignoring them. Um, <laughs> I mean, name, name a second pitcher. Go for it. <laughs> well, actually, it, well, there is actually one that I am considering, which is Josh Lindblom or Lindblom, just because I don't yeah. know. Because of, because of the enigma that makes him more interesting than the guys we know and we don't like. Yeah. Uh, but uh, like, I mean, he's going to be in my top 100. Because like, sure, why? I don't know, man. Take a shot, uh, right? I. Uh, but yeah, like people are talking about Freddie Peralta, and actually, this is he, he added. He's adding a slider. He, he yeah, slider? right. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is, we joke fast and I that like we don't we talk all the time. We literally do. I uh, and yeah, I remember just coming back from that event in in the city and. Uh, he's texting me or like, you know, on discord and everything, send me all these things about Freddie Peralta um, and saying like, maybe this is something. And just a, just a quick thing on that. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he could use a slider cause he struggles so much throwing fastballs where he wants to, but if he struggles with fastball command already, how are we going to assume that his slider command is going to be good? That is a very true uh, statement there. <laughs> you know, so I don't, I, I don't know, but at the same time, obviously there is a, you know, some ceiling there that maybe is worth taking, you know, in your 15 teamers at $1 or something like that. But the Brewers as a whole, I I do feel like it's the raise where, as I was saying before, where it's just one guy goes free and then 
the other ones it's going to be like you're another take of dodgeritis or just you don't know who's going to start and how long they're going to go and it's just not the fantasy life i want to live <laughs> it's not it's not the best life to live right right i just um, so i don't really deal with it much all right on that note we're gonna go ahead and take a brief break and we'll be right back with you after a word from our sponsors Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. Well, going into pitchers throwing new pitches or adding pitches, first off, that's something I always love to see or potentially love to see going into spring training. And the two that come to mind, because these are very two make-or-break guys for a lot of teams, are, are Tyler Glasnow and uh, Chris Paddock. Both sure. of which, one's adding a splitter, which I remember listening, I think it was, again, Alex Fass was on this one, though, talking about how you guys hate, uh, Mason brought up how you guys hate splitters. So we'll get to that in a second. How you guys hate, how you guys hate- I, This is a myth. But well, I need to well, fix. Perfect. Yeah, we're good. Well, we'll give you a chance to, to rectify that situation in a moment. But then, obviously, I wanted to just mention real quick that Paddock obviously apparently added a curveball, which didn't he? I think he threw a little bit towards the end of last year as well. So, obviously, I'm excited about both. But first off, what is your issue with splitters? Because apparently, <laughs> according to Mason, you and Alex have one. And apparently, to work at Pitcher's List or Pitcher List, you have to not like splitters, according to him. Yeah, well. right. So. I, no, I, first of all, I love that we have an inside joke now, which is great. Like we've got to a point that there's an inside joke about us. Um, I I hate splitters as your number two pitch. Gotcha. I love them as your number three. If we're talking before about, you know, we need a pitch to get whiffs and we need a pitch to get strikes. If it's your number two, generally your number two is the one that gets strikes and hopefully whiffs two, and then you have something else to also turn to for whiffs. In most part, I mean, sometimes it's really like as straightforward as Weaver uses his changeup to get whiffs and then the cutter for strikes. I. If I see a guy with their number two as a split variety of a changeup or a splitter, it brings caution because it is, and I can actually show you, and everyone else can't see it. <laughs> um, but when you're doing like a slider or something, you're just putting your finger on the, the seams. This is really easy. Pick up the ball and you can do that. No problem. I feel the need, I feel the need to stop you for a second and just let everybody know. Right now, Nick Pollock is on the screen <laughs> showing, showing me pitch grips and talking baseball, which honestly, this is awesome to me. This is the closest thing to talking to a pro level guy. Okay. No, so. don't, don't do that. Uh, <laughs> no, but no, it's kind of cool. Just, well, you, you have more intimate knowledge of just the actual pitching than I do. I'm just, but in all seriousness, so this is kind of awesome. So as you were, sir. So, um, so just to give a picture here, I'm taking the, the, the horseshoe, right? I've turned it so that the C is backwards. And then I'm doing it at the base mm -hmm. of the horseshoe, uh, with my middle finger index finger, however you want to do your slide. That's generally how you do it. Um, and then, so that's really easy to do, right? You just pick up the ball. There it is. That's a spot. If you do a change up, I, uh, if you do a split change up, rather a split, what you have to do is you jam the pitch into your fingers. And a lot of guys that throw splitters, I remember this a lot in high school, and you'll see it in the majors as well too, is that they, before the pitch is, uh, is called, when they're looking in, they already have the grip into their hands, right? And that is something that I can tell you firsthand, because I actually threw this in college, 
Um, and you can see like, it's really hard. There's a massive gap. You can see Mike of just like, this it is looks painful. Like, right? also, it looks like it puts, a, and I see up your arm a little bit. Cause I can see just the way it, it almost puts like a strain right there too. Sure. Uh, a little it's, bit. It's, it's there's extra, more tension. I'll say the, uh, more extra, the extra grip you got put into it to hold onto it properly. Well, everyone right? listening can do this. You take your, you know, you make a peace sign and then try and spread out your index and your middle finger as far as you can. You can actually kind of feel it down your arm a little bit. I'm slightly the, as you do that. The top of your forearm a little bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And also it's a little bit underneath it if you put your hand underneath. Uh, and what I would do, I would sit in the dugout and actually hold it. When I'm not pitching, I would hold the baseball with this as much as I could to get this as stretched out as I could. I could do it actually all the way across like this. If you, you're seeing it with the seam down the middle, Mike, uh, like that, Ooh. which is like a fork ball essentially. But anyway, what I'm getting at here is that this is a much harder grip to replicate every single time. And you know, a lot of times the guys throwing these split changes stuff, they don't do the thing of holding the splitter out and then changing it inside the glove to a fastball or whatever. Um, and even that, like you get kind of one opportunity. If you screw it up, you're not going to say like, you're not going to step off the mound and go, excuse me, guys, sorry, I got to get my splitter grip back, you know? <laughs> and it's something that falls in and out of feel a lot. Um, I remember specifically there were certain days that I just could never feel locked in or maybe my, my fingers didn't want to spread out the right amount. There's just a lot more involved throwing a good splitter consistently. So if you're trying to throw that as I need to get a strike right now, that's not going to always be there. And so it's why I'm okay with Montes throwing it. That's his third pitch. Fastball sliders is his main thing. And then he has a splitter on top. Glasnow throwing it, great. But what does Glasnow really need, right? Like he has a fastball he throws up and he has a curveball that he doesn't command that well. It's either like in the dirt massively or made it over the plate. Like if you could make up a pitch for Glasnow to instantly have, that's like not reaching too far. It would be what? A changeup. A changeup. Okay. That he could like throw for whiffs, throw for strikes. Just, just throw. (laughs) He just needs a pitch. He just needs a, he just honestly needs a pitch that he can count on to fall back on when, in general, just like a third, a good, not as it to be a league average third pitch. Give me a league average changeup. Exactly. Right. One that essentially has like a 35 to 40% zone rate, right? They confidently, okay, I'm going to ideally 40, but fine. Like he can say, you know what? I'm throwing in this count. It's going to be fine. I don't see that being a splitter. So that's why I'm slightly worried. I'm like, I don't know. I, I mean, I'd be fine with just getting like a, a slider, honestly, that, you know, Montes a slider, like not a crazy whiff pitch, but okay. He can throw it in the, in the zone. I think guys would be terrified of that. Because he's throwing this this four seamer a ninety seven or whatever, sometimes ninety nine, and like oh this thing's coming down into the zone, beautiful. It's actually what Giolito does. Um, Giolito has a slider actually that I think can take a small step forward this year, being a zone slider unless so of a whiff slider, um, and that's okay. That's cool. So you also Giolito is another guy you have a little lower than me too. I was like I'm I'm just wildly optimistic on him. Just I want to be wrong. I mean, I, I you're not you're I not low. You're not low low on him, but I have him like around 13th and or 14th, which is again only six spots. I think it's a similar tear. It might be just yeah, I'm, I'm at 20. Yeah, that's what well, I'm actually now it's at tw- 19 because of Clevenger. Okay, there you go. okay, so it's inching up, but then that just moved. I just realized that moved Giolito up for me too. I haven't updated my rankings yet. Either, <laughs> yeah, but and I think it's just because a lot of it just obviously this, we saw the skill there. Yes, we're waiting on the fact that he's only done it one year type of thing, but we saw everything kind of. There was well, a lot behind it too. It was a more convincing year because it was, oh yeah, mechanics changed. Now we get why he 
you know, it's not just also a luck or something like that. Didn't he also fix his like sleeping issues? Like he was having issues. One of those. Is that guys, right? Oh, I, I think, didn't know that. I think he had some. I think he had some weird. I th- oh, maybe it was sleep apnea. I'm not sure. But I know he had. I think he had some weird. Like he went to go do something to fix his sleeping habits because he wasn't getting wow. proper rest. I could be wrong. It could be but, just because of the long arm circle still catching up. So as he goes to yeah. bed, it's still getting there. There no. it is. I. Uh, <laughs> But no, no. So the main worry I have with Giolito is that he had such a high zone rate with his changeup last year, 51%. Um, and watching it, he wasn't so pristine with it. It was also, it was one of those pitches he kind of threw in there. And now, now he's getting grand all going back to losing grand right. all for Woodruff. Great point. And I, I'm not, uh, I don't want to, uh, I could be overlooking the impact that that grand all could make. I just think that his, his fastball changeup combination itself is gotcha. going to be a little bit worse. Um, but I mean, at the same time, it's like, I, I still really like him. Yeah. It, and it, I, I think where you rank him is relative. I'm not sure where he goes in ADP. I think it's closer to where I have him. I think he's, I think it'll, but I don't know. I, I find myself getting him a lot. So maybe I'm just reaching for him. With this. Not sure. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm getting, I, I took him my very first draft of the off season. I've taken, I've taken him in a few other spots uh, to both of my home leagues of late. And I'm just, I, I think at the very least, if he does, even if he regresses a little bit, because let's be honest, there's a chance that that happens just, a full year, a whole offseason of tape and everything for teams. I get that. But he has that division to fall back on. That, that division, is a great point. That division alone will help sustain his value, even if he takes a step, a small step back. Right. That's, that's my thing. Like, there's a lot of external things that aren't just in the skill set that I'm kind of banking on as well. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> I, are we going to get 200 innings of Giolito? I hope so. I'll take 170. These days, I'll take a solid 170 out of anybody. Yeah, so, so that, that's what I'm thinking. So, for example, <laughs> Kluber I have ahead of him, which a lot of people don't. And I, I see Kluber going 200. I see a guy that uh, has traditionally bad Aprils. Um, and yeah. then he got hurt randomly. He still has two of the best secondary pitches out there in his cutter and his breaker ball. I don't, I'm saying breaking ball because I want to call it a curveball. Some call it a slider. So it's a breaker. Anytime you hear me say that, it's because there isn't a decision on what it is. Uh, but he still has both of those. He's in a good park now or a better one than what it was in Texas last year. Uh, and he's also been a workhorse, say, for getting drilled in the arm and then trying to rush back and getting himself hurt in rehab. So I'm, I'm banking on that a little bit more. I feel like the two, those two pitchers are better than anything really that Giolito has. Uh, but, I mean, after the news of Carrasco, then, of course, Giolito gets another step up. So there's 18. <laughs> he's good. Before you know it, he'll be your top 10 guy. This, right, the way yeah, right. Going. I mean, this is, this is what happens so every upsetting. year. I hate, I hate, I hate preseason injuries. And like you said, we're at the point where you have to kind of um, – they're going to affect the regular season. But I'm at the point now where, trust me, I'll take a 200-inning guy. I really will. But I'm like, give me one – honestly, give me 150 of like – well, James Paxton's a bad example, but you get my point. Like he was a guy I was like, I'll take him in his 150 that you know you're going to get solid 150 out of him as far as innings pitch. So then, and I'll stream the rest of the way because I mean. So I'm how getting, about Lizardo then? Where do you have him? Um, where I'm trying to think. I don't have my, again. I don't have my ranks. I think he's like early, early to mid 30s. I, I was okay. Okay, then that's fair because of what you're talking about. I have him at 40 because, I mean, I talked about it before. If you're getting someone for like 140, 150, you really need to take into account the headache it provides you. Oh yeah, definitely more of a daily league guy. Don't get me wrong, because then we like Otani. I have like closer fifty because I, I first off we know he's not going to pitch till what May now. It's they said. Yeah, right. So you got to pin for like one hundred or one hundred ten. And even then, he's not even eligible in leagues until he pitches, which is a whole other wrinkle. Like because he, he didn't pitch last year, so some leagues he's coming into it without pitching eligibility. Right. 
So now he has to gain that, which I don't even know how – was that, 10 innings or something like that, 20 innings? I don't know. It's so wild. How so, do you not do that? So because of that, you know, you're looking at a guy that might only get, give you 90 for your fantasy teams. And then – so he's a daily guy. So it's like I get it. Like I know – I'm more likely to get Lazardo. That's why I'm big. Like, I know. I think you mentioned. Is it you that mentioned you don't really care for tears? Or I, yeah, I, I don't care for tears. I make See, them because people look for them, and you kind of need to have them. But I, I think like tears just add. I think tears add like the whole ranking of pitchers is mm-hmm. a spectrum that, in different cases, guys get swapped anyway. Yeah, and because it's a spectrum, it's like, uh, it's so hard to to, to put actual stoppage points because. The guy, I like, let's say I have a tier from 39 to 40. The difference between 39 to 40 could be smaller than 39 to 34 or whatever. Yeah. And it's just, it, you can make so many arguments about where the tier should be um, that I think it throws people off more so than it helps. See, I look at it like this, and this, I guess maybe I present, I try to present myself well with tiers because I, I do my tiers and all this stuff for fan tracks. And I really enjoy tiers because what it does is it allows, almost allows me a gal jail free card too. So it's a little self-serving because um, what you do is you can put like five or six or seven names in a tier because honestly, like you said, draft uh, what you need, what type of team construction, this all can dictate which player you take. But the idea is I value them all similarly. This is That's just my fine. actual refer- preference so, in, of order. So, okay. So I think, I think we kind of agree with each other. I agree with buckets. And what I mean by that is I've talked about a lot of like, I want to get, uh, you know, four guys of like Wheeler and Gallon and mm-hmm. Darvish and Severino, you know, there are groupings. That's fine. But I guess the problem I have with a tier is because it's a one to 100 rank. I, I sometimes want to have buckets that extend past the tiers, but I recognize that inside that bucket, some guys are better than others inside of that. Does that make sense? Like um, mm-hmm. you take like Dallas Keuchel. Uh, he is the what I call the Spider-Man because I expect him to be the best Toby out there, Toby Maguire. Okay. Oh, so and then finally, someone like messaged me I think a year ago and said, "Nick, Spider-Man has a hyphen in it." I was like, "I'm so sorry." Uh, <laughs> but I uh, but right. So Dallas Keuchel is part of a bucket to me of guys. I kind of want to put Mike Fultonevich in there. Of just hey, you know what? Not the greatest strikeout rate, I don't think, but he actually will provide you. Good amount of volume with similar ratio, I think, to Keuchel, and that's a that's a bucket. But I want Fulton Evich more than I want Keuchel, and the point that I have him in different tiers, and it's so it, it's weird like that. But I but I do agree with you with groupings of like okay, in my mind, I'm thinking of all these different guys, you know, like Dylan Cease. I have him in a different tier than I have Mitch Keller, but if I miss out on Mitch Keller, it's like okay, cool, yeah, okay. The next bucket in that bucket is Dylan Cease because I'm just trying to get things at the end of my draft. That could turn into things. I don't love Dylan Cease, but that's still the might see mindset. You might offend a lot of people by saying you don't love, love Dylan Cease. I know. <laughs> There's a lot of love. I, uh, I watch his starts pe- and understand the stress. That, that's yeah. what I'll say is just watch a game of Dylan Cease and you'll understand how it's hard to really get behind uh, how he's getting his results. The he command is so ridiculous. Well, I hope. Right. But that's why everyone read, does that. Read, yeah. You never really know. It's like I'm curious, but. I don't so, know. Do you, are you going to, are you, are you pretty reaction? Again, I'm not big for on spring training as far as like looking at the stats and like, cause that's why it's like, that's why you get Buxton fooling you every year and other stuff. Right. Like, like obviously there's different levels of, of um, players producing in the spring training, but it's just hard to, cause how, how many of these guys, like how, how much is glass going to get shelled because he's trying out that he's working with a splitter. How much is sure. Paddock going to get shelled because he's working on his curve. It's just one of those things. It's like spring training. I like to see, but the problem is, is what if, what if, Somebody like um, Cease is still throwing his regular pitch mix or a new pitch mix, but 
is showing great success with that new mechanic with the new mechanics how much of that can you buy into it's hard to really buy what to buy into so, in this spring training so spring stats generally i don't listen to unless it's like really just absolute terrible or really great but even if it's really great then it's just okay last pick is only change i'm not going to change my rankings in my top 50 or something like that gotcha i, well, yeah, that's uh, I wasn't sure because like glass now and paddock are two guys that if they shine with and if the car that curveball and splitter look good in spring right the industry so, as a whole they're going to jump up like they're going to jump great, up like 15 spots. great example last year um from the scouting reports everything we heard about merrill kelly mm-hmm. he's, he's throwing 93 he had all these things x y and z i remember the day before opening day he throws his like final tune-up game and he's throwing sitting at 91 and I, I felt so bad. I put out a tweet being like, I, I'm so sorry to do this, guys, but I don't like Merrick Kelly now, even yeah. though I had him at like 61 or something before. And I know people drafted him at the end of drafts. Like I had too. I'm like, I am really scared now because this is not the man we were promised. So there, I, I put out these tweets actually through all the spring training. We're actually doing a, a series of articles uh, through spring now. Finally, one of the most requested things last year was I'll be doing that tweet of, these are the guys going today. This is what we're going to watch for. Um, like, That's I cool, want to see yeah. Glasnow's new splitter. I want to see, okay, is this guy sitting at this velocity or is he at this one? Like Musgrove, I want to know if he's actually back at 94, like he was at the end of the year last year, or is he back to like the 91 that we saw before? Is he changing his approach with his breaking stuff? That's what I want to see. That's a big one. Right? So, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, I mean, that's obviously one of the ones I just mentioned because that's at the top of my head. But um, So I do that tweet every year for like what is televised. And we're actually going every day rather. And we, um, this year we're going to actually have an article written by the staff going over the things from yesterday, including, okay, this is that tweet. And this is actually what happened with it. And that's not necessarily going to happen with a lot of the top guys. I even talk about with the list. Like I don't change my ranks to the top 30 for a good while. There needs to be something staggering, like sale throwing, not hundred percent last year. Right. There needs to be something like that for me to really change them dramatically once the season starts, but uh, in spring training, it's all about the second half guys. And if they're doing, adding different pitches, they're like, Oh wow, this actually looks really good. I, uh, that's something that I would take a little bit more of a uh, priority for uh, chasing him with a flyer or whatever. And I, I think I'm glad we got a chance to talk about this. I'm glad we went down this rabbit hole. Cause I'm, I think a lot of people tend to look at spring training and overreact one way or the yeah, other. Yeah, it doesn't definitely. matter. And I, I like to try to remind people that, you can't <laughs> like i know it's, I know it's, <laughs> it's so to, hard easier it's to so done. hard but like we saw buxton literally jump up 100 spots in adp last spring training because he was crushing quad a pitching again like right. Lu- that's not lewis thing. broxton oh yeah right that's oh, brinson uh, brinson thank you oh man i was like it's not, not keon broxton oh my lord <laughs> broxton well they're both it's a trash. hitter they're all right trash. <laughs> <laughs> they're both trash they both disappoint it doesn't lewis matter brinson. oh man brinson yeah, he's another no. guy there's but oh, I'm, I'm looking at Sale, and I'm glad to see him out alone. I because people, you know, he's the one he's getting the most pushback. He's in my top ten as well. I think he's like eight or nine, and you have him sure. at seven. I'm looking at six now. Oh, he's six now. That's right. And there it goes Clevenger. That's a perfect example of how that's somebody you'll alter your ranking because he's a guy hmm. that obviously. Well, that, yeah, him. that's 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 an injury. <laughs> but like, if someone, if I, if we saw someone throwing, like last year he was throwing ninety two, and now he's throwing ninety four. 
I'm going to put that into consideration early. I was going to, I was going to ask how, how are you going to see, like if sale comes in spring training, throwing like 90, 91 instead of his 94, 95. Well, spring training, I don't know. They said they're going to take it slow with him. That is true. And we've seen it with Grinky every year coming. Yeah. He throws like, he throws soft toss. Yeah. He throws soft toss. And then the season comes and he's throwing his real stuff. So yeah. But how many times have you, like, not just you, but in general, like us, yeah, yeah. overreacted? We saw that. We're like, oh, he's done. This is the year he's done. I mean, right, I think, exactly. But this year, I might think he's actually done. I mean, you're, you're more aggressive on him than I am. I'm just. Why? I'm Why do you think he's done? I don't, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, he's almost. I'm very pro Nelson Cruz, but for some reason, I'm very anti Zach Greinke. I just, I, but of all times to give up on him, it's not now with him being an Astro and that team just, I feel like that's going to suit his needs really well. And he's just, I don't know. You just. I'm, I'm, I like strikeouts and he lacks them. Like okay, that's, that, big, well, that, that, that's, that's the, that's the biggest argument. I think that's the one actually people don't talk about is that, yeah, he dropped his strikeout rate to what? 31, uh, 23% last year. And that's the part that really stuck out to me. And don't get me wrong. Can he fix that? Sure. But I mean, we're talking about a guy that I know K per nine isn't the way to go, but that's the first thing that sticks out to you. You just see it three straight seasons now, or sorry, two straight seasons. No, no, it's 17, 18, 19. Yeah. Three straight years of it just declining from, and, and the K rate, like you said, the K rate, if you want to look at that, Again, three straight seasons of decline. It, although it wasn't a huge decline from eighteen to nineteen, still a decline. And and with that twenty three percent strikeout rate, he had a two ninety three ERA and a sub one WHIP. I'm not over two hundred and ten like innings. I like him more in points leagues because of that. You know, and don't get me wrong, he's still a good stabilizer for. But I just think that maybe where I I just don't get him because either by then I have addressed pitching. And I'm all I'm I'm more likely to shoot for the upside in that range. Sure. So well, I think it's just I, more of a personal thing. Not, not that so it, he, he's someone to pair. So um, yeah. So if you're, if you're going for Granky, it's essentially saying, hey, I'm taking some risks early on. If I get Chris Sale early, I yeah, want to pair him with Granky. Perfect. Um, Darvish might be someone too. I, I am in generally in your camp of saying, if I'm drafting all the guys I'm talking about, I'd be like, I want to get my gallon, I want to get my weaver, whatever, or my, my, uh, my wheeler. Um, it's because I'm drafting them as like the SP – 25 off the board or something like that with the hopes of them becoming an SP 15. Right. I, I always draft guys that have excess possible value. Yeah. And, and so with Granky, you feel like, okay, I'm drafting him, but you can't really go up. You can only go down and that's what's steering you away. And, and that, I that's completely get that. Putting, that's a good way of putting it. But like I said, for me, it's just a lot of it's just strikeouts. I like strikeouts early on. Strikeouts but, are great. But yes, he is probably, probably arguably the highest floor guy in that and again but that, that's what that's when it goes back to tears because that pick your preference because i don't like maybe i don't care for grinky maybe i'll t- i take personally like i'm just looking at i'm nitpicking now because you have paddock two spots after but paddock's a guy i'll take over him a lot and especially it depends it also goes on to more of a dependent like thing like how shallow is the league a 12 teamer i'm shooting for upside because i know i can find guys i'm higher on like i know i'm higher on savali but i'll take a savali late as a or, or fine, give me Chris Archer late. You know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. somebody that's going to stabilize and give me some innings. I like Tony Disco a lot this year. I know you don't. I love Tony Disco this year a lot. It, it is kind of funny. He looks like Jared Eikhoff in so many ways because of that 120 whip on the, on the spot. But I don't know how Disco finally gets better. And on the, on the Paddock point, Paddock is going to be limited to 180 innings this year. I'm and a, but that goes well, back no, to me but, saying that goes back to my sure. own personal preference of I'll take. So good, what is that? Like it, a, it's already 17% more production um from granky he's gone the same 209 innings or so right which he's essentially done the last three years so that that's a, that's a good amount i mean i could say 15 percent because if you want to even pull him back to like 200 but that that's a decent amount and even last year yes the strikeout rate went down he still had 187 strikeouts 
at 180 innings, you still have to have a K per nine um, above nine, essentially, to, to replicate that. And not to say the Paddock won't get 200 strikeouts this year, but it's not so different. It's not like this massive jump for me uh, between them. And then you throw in that I do expect the whip and the ERA to be better for Granky. I said, okay, you know what? I'd rather have Granky than I would have Paddock. I understand exactly where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. And especially, and you talked about this curveball before. Guess what? Fast was talking to me last night about Paddock and about you know the amazing article that Jeff Zimmerman puts out about the mining the news. Oh, I like, love that Unbelievable. Thing. It is amazing. That, that's one of those things that you do uh, as a writer because you know that people need it and it's just like you're falling oh. on the sword for them because that is such a hard thing to create and laborious. And I... Uh, but yeah, Paddock talked about I'm reshaping my curveball a bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, he actually did see a little bit. He was sending me to, I think he put out a tweet this morning showcasing Paddock's curveball at the beginning of the year and the one at the end of the I year think having I saw more that horizontal tweet. bend. Um, and that might be it. That might actually, that, that is making me slightly more interested in, in maybe a little more, uh, uh, I don't know, more of a believer that his curveball can take the step that we want it to. Um, and it's a really good fastball and I really like it. It's, I, I I'm, would love to be wrong about Paddock. Uh, it, I guess it's, I guess it's just a safer one. It's just like I know it's not the exciting thing to do with Granky. It's just just safe. Oh, I don't know. I just think and I know I understand the safety and that's why it's just there's like there's two names in particular in, in particular that I have a hard time because because Granky because mostly where you rank them is just a little more aggressive. But again, it's within this and that's why I like tears because it, it's all about preference at you this know, point. He was originally because, twenty instead of Giolito. And I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> and it's just, well, again, it goes back to the, for me, again, I know I'm harping on one category, but no, go me, ahead. it's just the strikeouts for me. And then I look at a guy like Mike Soroka that you have 10 picks later. And I'm like, I'd rather take Soroka just for the upside. Ah, okay. So Soroka, um, a couple of things there. One, if you remember this time last year, we thought he was done. That is true. We that. thought his shoulder was <laughs> gone and that was it. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, he actually got delayed by a week into the season or so. And even when he showed up, I, I was—I had him at 44, I think, in the October ranks, Soroka. Because I was like, I cannot wait for the full season of Soroka. And then I got out because of the whole shoulder thing. And then all of a sudden there he shows up and he, he does as well as he did. And the rest is history there. But I, it's a track record of like, I can't. I have to give. Yeah. There, something I have learned is we have to put more weights on guys that have gone 200 plus innings for five out of his last six years. And that's what Granky has done. And that's a huge, huge thing. And you have and Scherzer getting not discounted, but a lot of it's either people are either really in on him or really out on him because of that little bit of a hiccup in his health. And we're talking about Granky entering that same age range, if not a little older even. But and he doesn't have that same injury history. Either, so yeah. either, either did Scherzer though. Scherzer, what pumped out five straight. I mean, maybe I don't know how far back. I'm talking about, he's pumped out like five straight of, high quality 200 plus ending season that's fine i think it was i mean this this year he had the random hiccup in the back and neck that we didn't and we all know he's a gamer he played through a broken nose which was amazing yeah it was great but you don't need a nose to pitch but (laughs) exactly but Uh, that's what i'm saying it just just goes to remind it just it's just one of those things it's a reminder that it can't it does it just can come out of nowhere for guys that have been doing it for long 100 percent. but grinky doesn't throw as hard and he's more of a control. Obviously, he's more of a control guy. So that kind well, of that's it. Him it's, age it's better. The command is is excellent of Granky, which means he's not reliant on velocity. 
which will help him sustain or unbelievably not so be, not be exactly hurt yeah and the other guy i guess which has more of the injury history was lance lynn that again now i'm nitpicking because we're talking within 10 picks and mm-hmm. if we're talking within 10 picks then again i'm not i'm not here to I'm no, not no, here. this is good i love this no i know i know and I, i'm just i'm trying to remind people listening that i'm not here to argue over 10 picks it's not worth it to me i'm <laughs> just trying to i'm just trying to i guess make my uh, at least give my reasoning as to what it, what it is and i just think lance lynn Although the again the injury history is there, I think there's more ups. Again, it goes back to upside, and I think there's still a high floor there. And I think what he did last year with the change in pitch mix and the success, I think that followed was legitimate. I just although the ratio, the ERA itself is really what might not be as good as Grinky's. I think the rest can be. Maybe it's just hard to argue. So well, okay. So with Lynn, with Lynn, this is actually a little surprising to hear about the the injury stuff um, because I mean he's pitched in. As starts, it's been 29 or higher since 2012. And I'm saying that really when it's been 33 of the uh, six of the uh, four of the last six. I, that's uh, what people always bring up to me or is the injury history. And, I, and I'm, I've ignored it. I have Lynn as a top 25 guy. So it's like, I'm right there with you. Okay, good. You have him like 28. Yeah. So I'm with you on Lynn. I just, I, I'm just, I think I'm more down on Grinky than I should be maybe. And I'm hoping, and I'm trying to get into it and i just can't maybe again it's that nelson cruz thing when it comes to like that's the best name to think of because right he's well getting, yeah he used to be ortiz yeah he's getting he's getting he's getting that same like you're getting everybody pushing back like oh this is the year that nelson cruz falls off maybe i'm wrong maybe i just need to start drafting grinky like i'm drafting cruz with confidence and so, need to shut up on my end so <laughs> dave potts dave potts um uh was a panelist twice at first pitch arizona if you don't know him, he's essentially an NFBC. I think he is actually an NFBC Hall of Famer. Uh, I mean, he's incredible at it. And it's, uh, I think he said the line was, I hate children. <laughs> and it was essentially, you know, I, you know, you stick with the old guys. Like, yeah. the old guys always get pushed down because we're scared of them. And it's more obvious than, you know, you know we, should, we should be drafting older guys and not the, the hot new thing every year. And that, that resonated with me a bit. It was definitely something that last year, over the course of the season, I started finding myself falling into a little bit more. And, uh, I mean, we could talk about Lynn another time, but I don't think I really need to. Um, just the Rangers will let him go, essentially. Uh, there's no reason not to. And his incredible whiff rates inside the zone with his fastball is amazing. Yeah. Um, and the cutter he added to, no barrels on that, which is really cool. Um, or at least no home runs. One of the two, It was great. Let's just say I think he had a home run on one of them, but it wasn't a barrel home yeah, run. Yeah, okay. There That's it what is. it was, I think it was. Because right. <laughs> I remember was it was it all was it gray that well, pointed that out? I think there was a whole like Twitter debate on this because gotcha. um, Mike was getting uh, a whole bunch of crap on it. Well, walk rate was down to six point seven percent. Uh which is because he was just pummeling the top of the zone with heaters. Mm. He finally had like full confidence with it. Twenty eight percent carry because of that. I I think he's yeah I'm a huge online because of this. I was gonna say and right now at his ADP you're gonna get him where you have yep. him ranked too and I I've made sure to go my way like you can get him I can I almost he's like a fringe SP two for me because again I have him like I think at 25 range so he's a fringe SP two oh SP2. I would never draft him as that you don't have to that's the thing right like I I value him as such without having to pay for that which is right. amazing that's the type of guy I go into every draft wanting on my team because he ends up being my sp3 on every team yeah. and it's great like I love I love being able to get so, so we're guy. talking about buckets before right so yes. like in my bucket is uh Wheeler Gallon I uh, Bumgarner Lynn I uh, there's uh Bauer at the end of that too these are all guys that are kind of suppressed a little bit 
Um, and like I'm, I'm aiming for like one of Darvish or Severino or something like that. All right, Kluber's in there too because Kluber's actually in the same ADP range, even though I have them completely separated. <laughs> uh, so I find myself. I mean, I'm doing these again. I'm talking more so for 12 teamers. I am 15, but nevertheless, yeah. for 15, still can apply it in some way. Um, I, I'm doing these staff mock drafts with everybody, and I still, I, I even took, uh, I, I even did it finally. No pitchers until the 10th round, and I actually had a good staff. I was gonna like, ask you. I was gonna ask. So, have you now that you've tested that? Are you gonna be more on the waiting pitcher side of things this year? You think? Well, I because mean, of- I don't. Oh, I, I want to just like see, like, okay, is this going to work or not? Um, and for those that aren't aware, I mean, I did get Otani in, as a two-way player in the seventh round, so maybe that you can say I'm cheating. But I was like, that's seventh <laughs> round two-way Otani. I can't say no. Um, but uh, Bumgarner, Montes, Price, Boyd, Heaney were the five starters I got from Ooh, 10 to 14. I like, I like Heaney a lot this year. Uh, that, I, can't just, I can't quit him. <laughs> even got Canning, Cease, um, oh, goodness. You Tyler Beatty, Jordan Montgomery as well. Jordan Montgomery, I'm in now, like, since then, less on because I, you know, I think made a great point in Reeds and Barrels being like, yeah, I, Jordan Montgomery might not start in this season. Like, I think they'll put him in AAA first. I'm like, oh, duh. Of course they would. They were going to, like, bullpen it initially probably because you don't have to go for your fifth starter a lot at the beginning of the year there's always like schedule things that give you extra days off in the beginning of the season so they'll probably have him stick around for a month i'm like i don't want to deal with that that's you have no you have no issues with because i think mad bum is probably the name that stands out the most is about about as far Mm. as you and i have as far as like when it comes to rankings because i'm really down on mad bum yeah so uh, i get that it's it's really funny there's actually a conversation the other day about how every projection system hates him Except for Pakoda. Was it Rob Silver that put that out, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And here's the thing. I I, I see last year, I see a 113 whip. I see a 24% K rate. I see his uh, second highest swing strike rate of his career for Madison Bumgarner. I see, again, 207 innings. Only thing that stands out as far as, oh, that's weird, was a 1.3 homer per nine, which is the second highest of his career. Uh, and a 12.6% home run fly ball rate, second highest of his career. And I just think, oh, right, okay, he just made a few too many mistakes with his fastball. And I think a lot of people are expecting degradation. And I don't see how you're looking at this and you're saying he's worse, like he has more room to go down. Um, the K rate seems kind of realish, around 24%. Maybe he wants like 22, 23, fine. But I see the E-rate coming down to like 3.6. And I see the whip at 113. That would come down too. So it would be like 110 or like a 22, 23% K-rate K at 200 plus innings. That's immense value. And I remember going back to that mining the news article, I think the Diamondbacks were mentioning changing his yes. pitch mix a little bit. Exactly. So if those throws more off speed, again, goes towards this whole They love trend. his curveball, which actually that kind of surprised me. Like his curveball can be good. I mean, it, who, who knows what they can teach them? Even, I mean, you can teach an old dog new tricks regardless of what the saying says, you know? Right. Um, what, yeah, 60% think, whiff rate. So, or, sorry, swing strike rate and 47% of a swing on Bumgarner's curveball last year. I think it was the home and away splits that really concerned me, though. I think if I could find them, I can't seem to find them. If I remember, like, I'm, for some reason, I'm searching and they're not coming up appropriately on my iPad <laughs> here. But they were just like – it was like literally like a run or two different home and, and home and away and losing – oracle park as a home park is never good for anybody sure i, so, I completely understand that so uh, but he is going to a better team so there's a better win potential winnability 
on that team. So it does kind of weigh itself, you know, it does weigh out, so to speak, in a sense. If as far a little as bit, fantasy, yeah. As far uh, as fantasy yeah. goes. And then if you do like just those those little fun little like little things you do when you take the hits from last year, put them over Chase Field, and you see right, was, right, you yeah. see a lot. The problem it was scary because you see a lot more home runs being hit mm-hmm. on on an already terrible home run rate for his standards. So, so it was, yeah, one point six home per nine away, one point one home for Bumgarner last year. Yeah, I think the weren't the splits in general just really, really rough ERA and everything else. Oh Again, yeah, that, I, I that's the reason for it. Five thirty and then yeah. two ninety three. And then there was just and then everything else obviously just took a hit with it. And it just obviously, Mad Bum, he has. So this is when you just start betting on track record a little more, like you were saying or alluding to to a point. And you know he has the stuff. Better team context. I I don't I don't know. I'm not necessarily out on, and his price isn't bad. So I'm not necessarily out on his price. But I haven't found myself landing any shares either. I don't go out of my way for them either. So it's like, mm-hmm. eh, I'm just kind of meh. But then I saw how aggressive you are on your ranks of them. And I, it really just makes me question mine because I just don't see it. I'm not as optimistic, I guess. I understand it completely. Uh, and it's a good point you're saying, like, okay, when he was away from Orca Park, then in the overlays, then maybe even shipped him worse as far as home run rates go. He's also 30. But yeah, we forget that. I mean, not, maybe you didn't, but I mean, he's been around for what feels like forever. You know, and it, it, it's, you know, we, we talk about like times and careers like, okay, this is it. We're done. Degradation happens. Yes, there's a ton of mileage. Yeah, I understand that. That's... It's just, I, I can't, I can't quit this. I, I, I feel it's, you know, he had those two weird injuries in 2017 and 18. And we're kind of getting like Bumgarner again a bit. Uh, I don't think it's going to be the same kind of, I don't know, 2770 array and, 27 percent k rate or whatever nevertheless there's so much like i don't i i don't think we fall into bumgarner being a toby i feel like you just have a clear rock in your your lineup and and your staff and essentially so yeah in that draft i had i would have them the same way like lynn i was like my sp3 as opposed to my sp2 in that one i had him as my sp1 because with that late, like I need a rock. <laughs> I yeah. need to start this because there's so many guys I'm gonna be taking with upside and stuff. I need to start with one of these massive inning eaters that I feel fine with that I can build on top of. Um, to use conceptual phrases that doesn't really say anything. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but that that's why I want with Barman Garner. Well, I will compliment you on your little run of Boyd, Weaver, Musgrove, and Heaney in the in the oh, yeah, that's 40s. a fun one. I love those four guys. I will have a lot of shares. Oh, speaking of drafting, last thing I want to touch on before I get a few names, because we've been talking, and I'm, don't get me wrong, I don't mean to rush you off or anything. I just feel bad. Oh, yeah, no, no. I did, not, <laughs> I did not expect you to stay on this long, and I didn't expect it. It's, it's been a lot of fun. I've been enjoying myself yeah. immensely. But that little tear, I guess what I forgot I was going to say now. I got all, like, flustered. Um, I had something to ask. You're talking oh, about with Musgrove, yeah. Well, this just a random tangent, but what league are you in in TGFBI, and what draft uh what spot are you drafting? oh man so i'm number three in league seven are you already in your head getting one of the top three hitters yeah are you gonna, yeah because again this goes back to see i'm speaking to you like and you're kind of more of a not necessarily weight on pitching but you're not gonna force it it sounds like oh no no i am i'm a weight on pitching guy you are waiting for i am pitching? not scared to say that so toby and his pocket aces not your thing huh? right yeah i love it. toby great term uh, uh well, when i heard him say that i was like oh that's that's, that's beautiful. That would have been a t-shirt. Yeah, <laughs> that, right. That still can um, be a t-shirt. But I did. I had him. I had him on the podcast, and he gave. I think it was Ryan Bloomfield credit for that because he was talking to Ryan on there, and apparently something. I think Ryan 
put it, gave a gif of pocket aces during their conversation and he kind of ran with it. So Toby's getting the full credit and I think he's running with it, but he all has, he has been good okay. kind enough to let, let everyone know that it was Bloomfield. Bloomfield. Bloomfield kind of dropped the little, nice. he, didn't, he didn't actually say the term, but, but man, this term has blown up and this is an awesome, like I said, it's an awesome term. And but I'm with you. I, I tend to go, at least personally, my pitching strategy usually ends up, usually end up getting the guys in the third and fourth round or third and fifth and sixth. Like I'll get three of my top 25, top 30 guys. I will, but that's because I'd like to get those bats at the top, but with the third overall pick, you're going to get one of the big three, so to speak in fantasy. Yeah. It's going to be Yelich. I I know it's going to be Yelich. I mean, I would imagine if if it's trout fine, it's certainly not going to be Acuna. It shouldn't be Acuna or trout, honestly. And right. I mean, I would take (laughs) trout, but I understand also it's it's interesting with TGFBI because do you want to win your league or do you want to win the overall? That's yeah. That's where it gets. And if they want to win the overall, then they'll not be taking trout probably because they'll feel like they need to, get a ton of stolen bases to compete in it so so i don't know i'm happy i don't have a choice either early on i can just kind of coast for a little bit so with that said you're obviously gonna go hitters early when do you think because now this is a 15 teamer when yes. do you think that when do you think you're gonna attack i hope i'm not right. ruining your no, no, i don't i just atta- attack pitching i do not teamer. have the uh, i don't know the the idea the ego to believe that they're going to listen to this and then write it down and then yeah, strategize never, their draft around it I've never I, <laughs> um but i i think i think in general um 12 teamers yes generally sixth seventh round is when i go for a guy i think i'm gonna be starting to look and not be blind if i feel that there is a quality starter to be had i feel that there are certain groupings of hitters where i feel okay this is i think i, I nailed it down to like 16 or so the first 16 hitters or 18 hitters are one grouping. And then, um, yes. then there's another, like another 20 after that. And if I feel that, you know, there's, you know, Scherzer falls to me or something. Sure. I'll take him. Yeah. I'll take him there. That's fine. You know, that's well, it's past the initial, uh, 16 or 18 hitters then. You're not going to so, say you're not going to, you're not going to pass on value. You're not going to go out of your way to pass on value. Right. So the reason I go for hitters early is because that's where I feel the value is. I feel that, you're better off uh, when you have a relative pitcher here. <clears throat> There's just a, the presence of an incredible floor bat is just a safer and better play because I think a lot of us forget, and I call it the biggest myth of fantasy baseball, is that you're making a best ball draft. And what you're actually doing is you're having a draft that you get to update through the year. And it's so much easier, at least for me personally. I know my strength is being able to find a pitcher on the wire. Uh, I'm if that's my need, it's better than finding a bat on the wire. So I'm going to make myself be in the easier position as much as possible. But hey, if there's someone that is amazing value there for a pitcher, great, I'll take that. Yeah, and I, I usually go with a pretty balanced approach personally. And I'm actually apparently I'm in the 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 death league, so to speak. Is it, oh man, oh I'm yeah, I'm in league 14 or whatever. Adam Lawler, I think, has the number one pick in that. The Stackest era is his Twitter yes, handle. Yes, yes, yes. I'm in that league. He's actually, the reason why it's the it's the death league. Oh, gotcha. He's he's gonna oof, he's gonna be a little sneaky on you guys. It's well, fine. it's okay because he's picking at one end of the draft. I'm at 14, but I, I'm I'm picking right before Errol Cohen. So like I've Cohen sitting behind me on the turn. Oh man, and, yeah. And it's, Errol and I've had I've had a chance to chat with him quite a bit, so that's kind of fun. But so it's like, and then of course somehow I had J I had uh wow Jason yeah Jason that's his name. Why am I messing up names now? Um, Hey, stop acting like me. That's you're not allowed. I'm it's my thing. Up. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm still your <laughs> thing. I had a uh, wow. What's his name? 
Holy, J- uh, Justin Mason. Jason. Here, that's where I was like, Justin Mason. I just called him Jason. I just. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jason Mustin. Yeah, Jason Mustin. Yeah. Justin Mason. I had him on and we were talking about it and he put me and one of my co-hosts in the same league together. Oh, really? He, try, he tries not to do, but now it's just more of a friendly competition, of course. But so it's just a lot of fun. TGF, it's our first year in TGFBI. So, of course, I get put in the, <laughs> in the death league my first year. Welcome to TGFBI. Oh, man. Here comes a smack. Yeah, face, but, uh, I'm looking forward to that. Um, yeah, well, I'm in, I'm in a league. I'm not, not in TGFBI, but I'm in the league now with Spore. Yeah, uh, that's So, oh, my Lord. <laughs> are you guys co-managing or you guys are doing your own own team? Uh, Spore? Oh, no, yeah. no, we're going. Uh, no, I'm going against them. That's all I was. Well, because I was yeah, yeah. co-managing. Yeah, yeah that, that's. Because um, him and, and then, Justin. Uh, him, him and Jason. See, I, I did your thing now. Him and Jason. <laughs> just, him and Justin Mason co-own uh, their uh, labor Right, they did that. Right, labor. okay, yeah. So yeah, Fast and I are doing labor together. Are you okay? Um, that's right. That's right. I remember seeing that, which um, is incredible that they they invited us to that. Oh my god. Yeah, that's oh, a, that's one of those labor. goals. What? <laughs> Never saw what? that coming. But, Crazy. Okay. Uh, I don't want again. It's been. I I'm so grateful for your time. It's been a lot of fun. But before I let you get out of here, I got to ask you. Just in general, we talked about so many players. You don't have to break them down by any means. Just a couple guys that based on where they're going, whatever the reason is, just a couple of pitchers or players in general that you are, that you sure. like, that, that you like or want that you've been targeting on early drafts, guys that you're avoiding because mm-hmm. of one reason or another, just throw some names out there and then I promise you, you can get out of here. Yeah, it's all good, <laughs> man. This has been a lot of fun. Really um, there are some, I mean, I'll, I'll do a quick range here. I just off the top of my head. Um, I don't like Eduardo Rodriguez. I don't think, I think I call him I. Uh, I call him a lot of names. He's such a puts you in, in purgatory if you draft him because I think a lot of people forget that before he had that nice like eight-start run or whatever, 10-start run at the end of the year, he had a four-plus ERA with a one three seven whip, and it was just you didn't know what you were doing with him for ages. And all of a sudden, he had some nice starts, and that was that. And I don't think that's going to change. There wasn't really something there that really, I understand you were talking about the sinker before, and it was actually a good pitch, over 30% O-swing on that, but it was a sub-45% zone rate. It was like, normally I see like a 50% one, mm-hmm. and I don't think it was a pitch that, what he needs is really that cutter to work out and become a good strike pitch for the change up down and four-seamer up. And a sinker kind of wants to be that, but I don't really, I'm not sold that, that it can be that strike-getting pitch that he needs it to be. Um, so I'm not, I'm not in on Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, I'm I'm intrigued by like I I'm addicted to the guys that are probably not going to be relevant whatsoever, but I can see them getting a path to being relevant. Uh, and one of them that is no one is mentioning for good reason is Chad Cool uh, of the Pirates. I <laughs> uh, Chad Cool. I wrote an article in 2018 on Rotographs. Maybe it was 17. No, it was eight. Definitely 18. Uh, before he got Tommy John, it was two games before it, cool. and he started throwing his slider more, which is a really good pitch. And I was like, hey, guys, maybe he's figuring it out. And that night he allowed 800 runs, I believe, against the Mets, like an hour after I published it. And then the game after that, he went and had Tommy John. And he hasn't pitched since. And, yeah, that was was funny. I mean, those are the moments you just got to embrace it. You got to give it a hug. Oh, I just dropped a podcast literally right before I got done editing and putting one on, putting one out that talked up Carrasco as a great value in early rounds. Oh, right. So that's what's going to happen. So So he was. He was a good value. Okay. We don't know yet. (laughs) We don't know. Maybe he's just he might be a better value. I don't now. know. Yeah, there yeah. it is. I uh, but uh, but cool. I mean, he could get the fifth start, uh, fifth spotting start for for the Pirates. And yes, he does need to. He's probably going to be limited at some point. But he's only someone to consider that. You know, when he is pitching, he was upping his slider usage. Now it's not going to be two seamers as much likely because that's how the Pirates have changed. 
and maybe his four seamer, which is above 95. I mean, he was hinting 99, 100 at times. Uh, that could be something to monitor there. Uh, Tyler Beatty, I'm into three secondary pitches above a 15% whip rate. He doesn't have any of them hitting a 40% O swing or a zone rate though. So he clearly has command stuff to work out with it. But there's been a lot of talk. I think that there's he was in the mining the news this week or last week as well for just kind of you and Alex are beating. His, you and Alex are beating. It's so drum. good. It's so good. <laughs> but because of this, you guys are driving up a price. You're driving up a price that wasn't. There was no price. He was free. Oh yeah, right, now, right. He's not quite free. Which is again, it goes to show you that not people respect what you have to say, which is awesome. It's a compliment, but it's frustrating for people that. <laughs> You know, like I was like, he wasn't honestly, he wasn't even a guy that I, you guys talked, got me into looking at him. So I, I, I can't say that I was on him before you guys by any means. But yes, like it's like one of those, okay, stop talking about him now. We don't need to talk, <laughs> no more, Tyler. Let, let, let's um, keep the price I mean, I, I put him at 72. It's like yeah. it's definitely a 12 team heavy one as opposed to a 15. Um, and at first of all, it's touching the idea that like we would in any way affect ADP. I, 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 the one I like to say though is I'm on the BD train. That's for people who are New York City people. Uh, BD train. Okay, it's yeah, fine. they share I'm, the same line. I'm, I'm from Florida. I don't know. I don't do, we don't we don't do trains and subways. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay, that's why. Yeah, that's why I'll see you in a week. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'll be there. But I, I mean, yeah, I think I mean, Dylan Bunny's an interesting one. I don't want to forget. I have no idea how he's going to be. His fastball's so bad, but his changeup and slider are so good, and he's going to get opportunity in LA. And maybe. Maybe this could be the year for that. So I'm interested in that. We talked about Savali and Zach Plesak. I don't like either. So, uh, yeah, that's all I got. And so that's, that's, you've, you've given plenty. <laughs> um, I got, okay, uh, I'm going to bother you one last time. Yeah, what you got? Why, well, I'm just asking why you don't like, what it is about Descafani you don't like. Because I am very aggressive on him. I, I think actually he capped out. Do you? I think see, that's it. Okay, I can understand that. I'm just curious to see what a full off season with the new pitching staff and all that, the coach and all that, really do for Good him. Good point. Yeah. Plus, plus, when you look, I, the reason why is because I did that deep dive. He had um, and this is something I forgot to include in it, and Shelly is the one who pointed it out to me, so she gets full credit. Was the mm-hmm. arm slot, the arm slot change in the second half? Sure. Which um, actually, and what what what, what really um, I'm over here getting ahead of myself. What really caught my attention was the the effectiveness of his breaking pitches in the second half, the uh, increased effectiveness, both of which had improved K rates, the uh, cur- the knuckle curve that he's known for, and, and his slider. And if you look at both of them, they both changed grips, or at least there had to be a grip change of some sort, which you can't see, obviously, in the numbers. But you can see horizontal and vertical movement change in both of them, mm-hmm. both of which increased RPMs as well. So that suggests that maybe he had a new grip, which could maybe maybe Bauer is the reason why he had these changing grips. Oh, maybe, that's an interesting idea. I like that because Bauer went there, and yeah. Bauer's known to tinker a lot. Maybe he tinkered with his his pitch grips, which made them more effective. And now we're talking about a guy going into a full season, full off season with the coaching staff, and maybe honing on these pitches and being more effective, a little more effective. And with it came, you know, you saw the the home run rate drop a little bit, the ground ball rate increase. So he's pitching a little more to contact because his K rate also went down. So there was a little give and take, but I think there's a little bit of upside. I'm not saying he's going to be anything special, but I think there's a potential, a potential, very, very, very low potential of SP3 upside. I just think, I think he's a very safe SP5 though. Okay, cool. Uh, so I don't, I find that all fascinating. You can be completely right about it. Um, I don't know if I really believe that curveball being much of anything. I, I remember talking about the, him a lot last year. Lot. He, uh, yeah, it's, Tony Disco is a lot of my streaming picks last year because uh, he just wasn't touched. 
And then he had like a nice stretch. We were talking, I think it was the end of last year. Maybe it was like August or so. He started getting into some sort of groove that he started getting owned and I couldn't stream it anymore. Um, but when he's had his most success, really, it's been when his slider has been great and his fastball hasn't been hit. And we, we, we often compare him to Tyler Molly, who actually I think has a better formula because his fastball is better and his slider is good enough. And uh, Tony Disco, his fastball is not that good. It really no, isn't, and the not. slider needs to do a lot to get there. And throughout the entire season last year, and maybe I am overlooking um, that second half curveball is more legitimate than I than giving it credit. He actually threw it less, surprisingly, even though it was really it did really well. He threw it less, but he threw the slider more. And again, the slider increased. It's the slider as, is everything. With the, the the effectiveness changed. There, there was an effectiveness as far as like it improved in the second half, and but there was also a tangible pitch mix change as well so right. i'm just I, my thing is i'm just very optimistic on the all these changes coming in and maybe now he's taking these changes work on them in the second half gets to further fit, play with it and work on it and come into a season i'm not saying he's gonna be a world beater i'm not gonna say he's gonna be amazing but yeah. i am i am wildly optimistic and i have him sure. like as a top 60 pitcher he's like he's my I guy i don't disagree he's my, with that that's, he, that's he, fine with me he's my guy and i'm, um, I'm gonna i'm gonna I'm going to die on this hill. So, <laughs> so like, for example, my 60s started with Josh James and it has Kopech in there and Cease, and I don't even love Cease. Yeah, but <laughs> so, James is looking really good right now that he should be getting a I hope so. Cross my, crossing our fingers for that. Um, but, I, well, I guess what I'm saying is that, yeah, I have Tony Disco in the 70s. Oh, because okay. I, I how you're still um, – Yeah, I had him, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, it's like 76 or something like that. I must have missed him, which, okay, so we're not, too, we're not terribly far um, off by any means. And, yeah, I could have if – I, if I am buying into development of Tony Disco, as you are with the curveball, then, yeah, then he would be probably at the start of that 60s okay. tier, right where McCullers is or whatever, actually, like 61 or – Something along those lines. It goes back to, again, and we're, but we're talking about somebody like you're obviously a little pessimistic as far as like you're not, you're, you're not as optimistic as I am as far as the belief in them, which is fine. But that goes to show you that that's the only difference. Right. Because <laughs> that's so we're getting we both acknowledge the slider is great. We both acknowledge that the fastball isn't. It's really the question of, okay, is this curveball going to be enough? Yeah. And I kind of see last year, and I actually had him initially higher, and then I brought him down because I thought, well, I think last year kind of things went well at some points, and then it probably should be a little bit worse as opposed to him having much more room to go up. So and that's like why I, said, I brought him down. And like I said, I'm not expecting huge leaps and bounds, but if he's SP50 by the end of the year, that, that wouldn't surprise you. That puts him in that SP3 range almost, you know? Close. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be that aggressive, but yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm going to rank him in my top fifty. I'm just no, no, no. Of course finished, you won't. Yeah, if he no, finished no. in the top fifty, right, right, right. I wouldn't blow my. It wouldn't surprise me as much as it would surprise others, but because again, I have this this really strong faith in something. And okay, now I can't let you go because apparently, since we've been talking, Luis Severino was scratched from a scheduled no from a scheduled bullpen session on Thursday due to forearm tightness. No forearm no, soreness. Wasn't. No, he wasn't scratched. No, he wasn't scratched. From a scheduled bullpen session on Thursday no. due to forearm soreness. My buddies just texted me. I, I, I'm really good at multitasking. I have really bad ADD. I don't medicate. So I listen very well, but I'm also, and somebody just, like, my buddies just texted me this, and I'm like, we are recording when this is happening. You and, can't be serious right now. I, I haven't looked at anything. It's, it's on Roto World. It, it's just, I, I just pulled up the Roto World. I, I'm, I'm checking the, the Twitter news channel on my, uh, oh, I'm sure uh, with, it's my there. with my staff. Uh, I'm sorry, with, with the Discord. If it's not there, then you can break the news, but it's, um, <laughs> unfortunately it's a thing. Like I'm not making this up. Oh man. I, okay. If, if that's the case, seven minutes ago, Aaron Boone, um, this is from Brian Hawk, I believe. So I'm guessing he's some former beat writer or something. I don't know the guy. I just, 
he's reporting. It says from Aaron Boone, Luis Severino is dealing with forearm soreness. It dates back to his last start versus Houston in the playoffs. It's definitely concerning. Especially if it's been dating. This is the first time I've heard of anything dating back to the playoffs. Oh, my Lord. So you're looking at a guy who's been dealing with this issue behind the scenes since the playoffs, and it's just now coming to light in February, almost March. <laughs> Giolito's about to be 16 or 17. Yeah, right? <laughs> so, okay, I mean, I, I, I can't give proper analysis on this, no, of course, because lot, we, just, but... we have no idea what the timetable is. Stock is going down. God, dramatically I just, to, I just wanted to get your live freak out reaction i'm just so upset <laughs> yeah i had to do that i mean i'm sorry to like i hate to end a podcast like this but and this is it's completely different too than that his previous injury was your shoulder yeah and my biggest thing my biggest takeaway from this is the fact that it dates back to his last start versus houston in the playoffs why are we just now like how have none right. of us heard of this how so, has this not been known okay so then we were already talking about i mean are they going to start stretching out jonathan lewisica then are they going to sign some, some they, there schmo? Be, there, has, <laughs> there has to be somebody available. Maybe they can. They, they are they going to rush Davy Garcia? I was going to say is Garcia thing. That's the that would be nice because Garcia. I mean, he didn't throw a lot in AAA, but he made it there last year, I believe. Right? If I remember correctly, no, stuff is I, just a little. Crazy. Everyone, everyone's super excited. I mean, imagine the Yankees want to wait a little bit. I'm so happy they got Cole as a Yankee fan. Oh man, okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't that, announce that often that I am one. I try to hide it because I, I don't change any rankings based on it. Yeah. But, uh, huh. Maybe Jordan Montgomery does start with you guys after all. Right? This actually might get you back on the Montgomery train. <laughs> I mean, he hasn't pitched. He like pitched seven innings since Tommy John. Generally, you don't do that. Same with cool kind of thing. But I don't, I, obviously, I mean, you can't. They got to do something. They can't just, you know, they don't. <laughs> they can't like they can't limp into the season with three starters. Four, yes, three, no. Oh, so man. they is. I'm trying to think if there's any free agents. Free agent I'm missing that can be signed. not really. Honestly, I remember seeing the battle. They can get Andrew Kashner. Isn't Kashner with the Dodgers? Did he did he sign with the Dodgers? Did I miss that? I think I think this is that's a totally thing. possible. See, here we are. I was <laughs> Homer Bailey. Is he with the Twins now? I think I think because uh, I think the Dodgers went through this whole run of um, grabbing. Well, they got just, Jimmy Nelson in there. Jimmy Nelson. That's not cash. Okay, so I was wrong. That's what it was. I was thinking Jimmy Nelson. See, now I'm back back to being me. Back to being my friend. Uh, uh, I, I mixed those two uh, up because I remember those two were guys. Cash, they're still unsigned. But I'm not, I'm not necessarily advocating for that. It's just no, you can maybe. see something like that for like a couple starts. Or how about we saw the Dodgers are willing to, to sell Stripling. Oh, man. And I love Stripling. I want him on a team in a starting rotation for sure. Put him oh, on the Yankees. Man. That's a funny idea. It's, it's doable. Yeah, Very doable. Where would, where would you rank Stripling if he's a Yankee? I have him ranked 70 without being a Yankee. Like I am super aggressive on him. I want him everywhere. His stuff looked ridiculous. I actually highlighted what, what popped out to me was that changeup last year that he actually surprised because everyone knows him. I think it was his curve that everyone knows. I, I can bring another curve pitch. is the great one. Yeah, it's the curve. Okay, so I purposely highlighted the changeup as being good. Like I was like, wow, this changeup's actually good. People need to know that he and he increased the usage of it and everything last year. And then there again, going back to that mining the news, he's improving the changeup even more. He was playing with it, trying to make it more effective. So you're adding a pitch that was already above average, making it even better. You're talking about a guy who's going to have all these off-speed offerings that are just solid, just all the secondary stuff, he could take that Musgrove jump. It's, but it's all about innings. Oh, Musgrove didn't even take Musgrove jump yet. You know what I mean? He could take that right. jump where he could just take that. He has the stuff to make that jump if he's given the start, a chance to be a starter. It's just he needs the opportunity. And obviously, a change of scenery would be the best chance for steady innings. But 
I'll take one. I want 150. Give me that. Go, going back to that 150. I want 150 out of them. There you go. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Stripling Stripling's interesting. Like his slider has taken a step back the last two years. But the change um, took a step forward last year. And he he did. Like I didn't. I didn't realize how much of a step forward it took. Um, still a low zone rate pitch though, and that slider was a I think like a fifty percent plus um, I, I zone rate offering. Back, it goes back to the mining the news that again Zimmerman so thankful for that thing because honestly I didn't know about it last year. This year I, I haven't stopped. I read it every time it comes out now. I'm like yes, give me more of that. And it, right. You know, oh yeah. One of the things in there I think I was reading it last night was uh, stripling again. He's trying to increase right. the effectiveness of the changeup. So again, that's just maybe so maybe the slider's taking a step back, but that changeup took a step forward. Yeah. He still has a two he still has Stripling that two, the Yankee. Sorry. Go for it. No. Just, um it makes sense because they've already shown that they're willing to trade him. And they traded him to an AL team before. So it's not like they're not willing to trade him to a you know a potential contender down the road. Right. It did feel that um that Jock was the main pull. But it could be, it could be. All right, we'll remove Jock from that because I don't think the Yankees would take Jock Peterson. So they lefty, could. Ooh, a lefty pull hitter. I know. Yeah, that would be actually so interesting. But who and would put, we give? Put him back at first base. Give them Voight or something. Right. Um, I'm just. But saying, anyway, it's conjecture. I, would, I, I guess I'd probably have if if that were the case, I probably would have him around the mid 50s. Yeah. Like, oh, trust me. He, like, I already have. That sounds right. Said, I have Stripling about seventy in my ranks right now, and that's as a Dodger, and that's without updating it yeah, since it's, January. It's mid eighties for me, which hasn't come out yet. But yeah, Stripling's yeah. there. And I, I guess I'm very aggressive on Stripling because I just saw the stuff as being and the potential. And we saw, and even with the step back and as a reliever, we saw what he did as a reliever last year. And you know, but the occasion I think he actually started a few games here and there. But then you look back at what he did as a starter, and you just see that. He's solid, mid three ZRA, good mm-hmm. K, good K rate, just good potential, and that's just like I love him, even as a Dodger. So imagine if he can just be a Yankee, please. Like I'm, I'm, <laughs> a, I'm a Marlins fan. Like I I'd be care. down. I, I mean, <laughs> sounds uh, like a, sounds God, like something. Strip, uh, I'm sorry, Severino. All right, all right. On that note, <laughs> on that note, Nick, I appreciate your time, man. It's been a lot of fun. Oh remind, no, this has been great. Remind everybody where they can find you and all the stuff sure. you're going on. Yeah, I obviously come to Pitcher List. Uh, we have a brand new website. Uh, check us out opening day too because we're going to have a lot of new updates with the site with that amazing leaderboard that we're just building upon. Definitely be a part of Pitcher List Plus that is uh, joining our Discord, getting an ad-free website. If you're part of the Discord, you get to hang out with the staff and get weekly merch giveaways. And we're actually releasing an ebook today that you get for free for being part of the PL Plus uh, subscription. So definitely be a part of that. I'm at Pitcher List on Twitter. Give me a follow. Shoot me questions whenever you have them. I hope I see them and will respond. Crossing my fingers, uh, but I know definitely reach out to me there. And uh, yeah, it's been a ton of fun having me here. Really, thanks, uh, thanks for bringing me on. Oh man, I honestly, I did not, I wasn't sure what to expect, but I had a blast. <laughs> well, and, and not, I'm always nervous getting guys on that, you know, for the first time, especially somebody that's honestly is such like a well-known industry person. It really is. It's still very humbling because it reminds me that like, I can get nervous. It's a good thing. It's a good feeling. Hey, but, um, you're you're a pro. You shouldn't be nervous. A pro, yeah. You are. I'm, I'm barely cracking double A these days. All right. You killed it. This is great. <laughs> well, I'm just a talker. I'm a natural talker. I can just talk. I can make. I can pull conversation on my butt. It's a gift. But so, so this is how we go over two hours. This is can we yes. get two of us combined? Yes. <laughs> it's just. It's like it's like I said. We've been talking like we've known each other. This is our first time ever interacting outside of Twitter. So it's kind of cool. I've really enjoyed myself. Again, thank you so much for joining me. You can follow me on Twitter if you if anybody cares at this point. At of course they do. <laughs> at Mike underscore Curland. Um, leave a five star review. We greatly appreciate it. But again, again, uh, this was Nick Pollock at Pitcher List. 
And as always, we just appreciate everybody listening and we will talk to you soon.